Welcome to Dice in Mind, a podcast hosted by Brad Brown and Jason Kaufman to explore the intersection of life, games, science, music, philosophy, and creativity through interviews with leading creatives. All are welcome in this space. You know, we we talk a lot of Trek on our show, even though we have a lot of interests outside of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it goes without saying that you know, there are a few games that we absolutely adore. A lot of games that we love, very few that we absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, obviously, Star Trek Adventures. Yeah, um, this is by true. Modifius. And um, Modifius has become one of those companies that I just enjoy their content. Um, you know, Black Friday didn't do me any favors with the pocketbook this year. No, but you um, did them a favor. I did them a favor, yeah. right? Um, the only thing that I missed during this holiday season yeah. was a new Star Trek Adventures book. We know hmm. that stuff is hanging out there. We don't have inside info, but oh. there was a part of me that's like, oh, it would have been a good time for a new that is a good point. book mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. which is since we couldn't get that during the holiday season, right? let's go with one of our next options and okay. bring back a friend of our friend of the podcast why not um jim johnson who is the project manager for star trek adventures yep at modifius yeah just so, a, a wonderful guy and a wonderful creator and you had the luck i know we've talked about this a little before but you've had the luck of when he was up in your city for the holidays to spend yeah. some time with family yep you got to spend some time with him as well yeah, really, really long lunch. As as he will point out in this chat in a moment, at, at some point, uh, uh, we spent as much time at that table as we do when we record with him. Uh, maybe maybe started, actually even more. And I was going to say, we started this in the middle of 21, right? The latter part of middle or Spring latter part of 21. Spring of 21. So we're coming up on three years. Oh, this man. will be the first. You are the one that, if I remember correctly, Jim is the first guest that someone on the podcast has met in real life you have oh um plays that trail for us who i suppose to, uh first guest uh who we didn't already know who wasn't yes. already a friend or yes. colleague yeah absolutely yes. we've had we've had yeah. friends on and such yep. yes yep. that is absolutely so, like true. when aaron um, peterson's been on yep and who you and know Rob aaron, had our friend Brian uh, right yep. um absolutely yeah you know jim as you said red jim jim really has become a friend uh, and and when we when I say friend of the podcast, uh, like we don't mean that for marketing purposes. He's just no. He's a heck of a guy. He's a heck of a person. And and like you'll you'll hear everyone with this interview, we meandered even more than normal because we we didn't invite him on the show uh, to to shill a product. We didn't invite him on to tell us about something upcoming. We had a, a loose idea of how to begin because of something he brought up while he and I were having lunch, you know, a month and a half ago. And, uh, and then we just let it go because that's the kind of person he is. And as always, we're so grateful. He's took time with us. Before we head over, you bring up a great point. And, and I think it just is, it's almost tangentially interesting that he is in his role with Star Trek Adventures and Modifius because we have him on and we could just not even broach yeah. products yeah. or anything, that, that, which that, you're going to find. In the that's net, right. You know? we, yeah. we. I mean, you'll you'll hear that we get into a hypothetical product because 
Jim and then Brad jumped on the bandwagon of taking something I said and just beating the heck out of it. But I still, I still like that idea. But, but that's it. I think you're exactly right, Brad, that we simply enjoy chatting with Jim. And we think that those discussions are relevant and interesting for our broader listenership. Um, we, we would, we would want to hear, it's kind of like when we listen to, to continuing conversations with, with Jim and Michael Dismuke, right? We, yeah. We listen because not because for some great secret, but because it's worthwhile and we enjoy listening to the discussion. You you encountered it up in at home when you sat with him for hours talking. Yeah. Um, we you'd, we'd probably do the same thing if we met Michael. Um, we'd probably do the same oh, yeah. thing if we met some of the, our other guests. It's just funny how yeah. we have Jim on as a guest. Not even so much because of STA. We have a Jim on as a guest because we always have great conversations about gaming. He's yep. he's been doing gaming for a long time, so he has great insights on yep. things. We talk about society. We talk. You'll see toward the end. We talk about reading and history. Yeah. Um. It's just it's one of those things where we don't you know we have an idea of what maybe mm -hmm. the topic might be for the first ten minutes, and then it ends go. up being the first thirty, yep. and then the next hour and a half is everything else under the under uh, the sun. Under everything under the dice. Uh, on yeah. that note, this is because we were chatting with Jim Johnson. An exceptionally long episode. And we decided we're not going to break it up. Yep. That you've got a couple of weeks. Chill, we're back with you. Uh, and uh, we we have more people lined up. You're not going to believe it. Uh, I mean, you'll believe that part, everyone. But you're just not going to believe who's on the on the docket. Um, but we just thought, let, let's just give you as much Jim Johnson and all his glory as we can. So um, here's the whole thing. We'll see you in four, four and a half hours. Just, just go. <laughs> Jim Johnson was born about the same time Apollo 12 landed on the moon and has always been kind of spacey and shares a birthday with the Kindle. He is the author of the Pistols and Pyramids Weird Western series and the Potomac Shadows Urban Fantasy series. He's also written a bunch of other stuff in and around the sci-fi and fantasy genres, and pen and paper RPGs. He's currently the project manager and line editor for Modiphius's Star Trek Adventures RPG. There's no point in any doing any long introduction. Jason, nope. have, Jason you're going to record that. You're going to have already heard that before we talk here. So our friend Jim Johnson from Modiphius is yeah. back with us. But no more needs to be said. Um, we'll just, we'll just jump right into it. Cause we were talking about, um, long socks and shorts and deep freezes here in the U S and, um, and that's in talking, all we're going to say. Yeah. And in talking <laughs> with, when we had, when we were on, uh, continuing conversations with Jim and Michael, um, Michael even said, I just hit record because then we won't miss anything. Yeah. So, what, so we're finally, you, yeah. Jim, welcome back. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me as always. It's, a, it's been a little while since uh, since the holiday break and mm -hmm. a little while since I've been on the show. But um, I don't know if uh, if you've told your listeners uh, in the last couple of episodes, but uh, we had, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, I holiday, quote unquote, I holiday in Minnesota <laughs> um, uh, where my in-laws live. And uh, it just happy circumstance managed to yeah. catch up with Jason at lunch one great. day yeah. and was really sad that we missed out on Brad, but understand the circumstances yep. uh, just with the, with all the life and challenge and uh, scheduling and all that stuff. Yep. But uh, had a great time and uh, miss you both and uh, looking forward to seeing you all again in person someday soon. 
but yeah, just great to be here. And uh, I'm grateful that you uh, invited me back again. Um, and I want to just express my gratitude to you both that uh, you, uh, you you decided to, instead of a smoking jacket, you got me a DS9 hoodie. And uh, I, I'll tell you, I've been wearing that thing regularly uh, now that the weather has turned a little colder here in Virginia. Uh, but uh, uh, Jason got to see it uh, live and in person when we went yeah, to lunch. So uh, that's awesome. It's uh, yeah, basically it awesome. the same outfit, you know, sweats in this sweats in <laughs> a sweatshirt. So I'm I'm good that's to right. go here. So. Yeah, it's so good to to have you back, Jim. I yeah. uh, uh, so just an interesting point. I was looking at our notes uh, and for the podcast, and depending on how you count, this is either your fifth or your eighth time. On Dyson and mine. So what's the fit, what's the yeah, you so have to fit, count the ones where exactly with okay. Michael. So it's your fifth time joining us uh, for a recording. Mm -hmm. It's the eighth. This will be the eighth episode because our conversations tend to run long, and we often do, <laughs> which is be a beautiful thing. I, I've already warned my wife. She's like, "So I'm not going to see you till ten thirty. I'm like, "Oh yeah." Okay. Yeah. So, um, is that Jim? Uh, he just can't shut up. <laughs> uh, you know, I've tried to explain, and I'm like, yeah, it's just it's just easier that way. She's well, the difference between you and me is that my wife will say, "You're not going to come up before 10:30, right?" And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, we don't have Jim this time. And then tonight, she's like, "How long are you going to be down there?" I'm like, probably 10:30, and she's like, "Okay." <laughs> so, right. that's uh, Jason knows that that's the difference. Exactly. I will. Like, I will say, I listened to. I normally do not like to listen to my own speech or my own talking. I don't like listening to your talk either. I know you don't. Um, but I listened to our episode with you on your continuing conversations that I think came out in November. Yeah. Um, and I just, as I was listening to it, one, um, I realized how fun that conversation was. We were just, we hit so many topics. And two, I didn't fully realize and start watch myself talk how much of an accent I have from being here in the midwest and jason i was i told jason we I'm talked like, about I, this yeah i overpronounce my you know so i can't even look at myself now in the camera because uh, i, I get but but it was it was fine i appreciated i just wanted to say i appreciated um you know you having jason and you and michael having jason and i on oh, yeah. um That's just fun. it was a reverse it's it was just as much of a blast being a guest instead of a host yeah um and um always um um excited and happy to have you join us because we oh, yeah. we hit on so many different topics that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um we don't know where we're going to end up at by the end of the night yeah so. exactly you know and what i what i thought was funny brad and you know i don't i don't say this to make you feel bad because i know you weren't able to make it but when when jason and i had lunch that lunch was what two and a half hours oh, almost, easily. almost three yeah. hours it yeah. was like it just it just the conversation continued and we hit like i don't know 30 or 40 different topics it was great it was great. It was I mean, so much it was, fun. Uh, it was like it was like if you would put a microphone in front of us, it'd just be another one of these shows. You know, yeah. either continuing oh, conversations yeah. or this one, right? It's, it's all the same kind of vibe. You know, which was great. I really enjoyed it. It, it probably I me yeah. me being there, not being there, probably saved you about two hours of time. <laughs> um, it would have been two hours well spent though. But and thank you. I I actually, my wife said you should just drive up for the day and drive back, mm. and you know, maybe in my twenties, I could have like physically been able to handle that mm -hmm. um but pushing at my age um drive it's about a five and a half hour drive it's I've done it's it, too much for a turnaround i've done it in four mm -hmm. and a half hours but it was in the summer and it wasn't winter driving which yep. can always be a little dicey on the interstate that runs between us yeah so otherwise otherwise i would have um and, and back then you didn't have to stop midway to pee 
yeah, pretty or three times. So, <laughs> and we know we Jason, we for those of you that have ever driven between Milwaukee and and Minneapolis, you know, you got to stop in Boston, you got to stop in Menominee, you got to stop in Eau Claire, or you got to stop in Hudson, one or the other. Those are or the, you yeah. just don't drink anything and you drive to the other city. But I mean, it's all good. No, you're gonna have to get gas anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So to pull us full circle. So yeah, Jim, that it was, it was so good to actually see you and meet you in person. I mean, it was, it was like this, it was cool because I remember coming home. My wife was like, how was it? I'm like, well, it's like seeing a friend, which is really, really cool. Um, But, but you said something to me like, okay, so let me back up. So Brad and I, obviously we've wanted to ask you back for, well, honestly, since the last time you were on here, but like, you know, we don't want to burn you out. Right. Um, (laughs) And seriously, but over lunch, uh, you said something to me, something you were just beginning to think about. And hopefully it's okay that we talk about this because I haven't stopped thinking of this has been what a month and about a month since I saw you. Is it yeah. more already? Uh, I think uh, almost exact, almost exactly. Almost exactly. Yeah. Because it was yeah. between my two trips. So almost exactly a month. And I, I haven't stopped thinking about this. Wow, um, you, you, you know, seriously, it was just a passing comment. You and I talked a little bit about it then. Um, cause I encouraged you to keep going with something, but you had mentioned being curious about how to cultivate leadership at the RPG table. Mm. And I don't know if you've thought about it any further. I have been thinking about that for almost exactly a month. Um, wow. and I haven't gotten any traction on it. I haven't, I knew we were going to talk to you. I had, I intentionally not thought about it. And honestly, I don't, I don't know what to do with it, but I'm curious if, you have any more thoughts about it? I was just going to say, this is a good organic conversation because yeah. I think we'll flesh out as we talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, um, thank you for the reminder, Jason. I, I know we talked about so much stuff at that at that, at that lunch, but yeah. uh, uh, leadership in uh, leadership in Star Trek, of course, is, is important mm-hmm. to me. Uh, your book is perfect, right? I mean, that, the book hit all my sweet spots. Um, I read it on the plane uh, on the way and then on the way back. Uh, oh so, and I've got highlights all over and marginalia and all that great stuff. Because um, I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I, I don't remember if I, and I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent, but I'll, well. I promise I'll come back to it. Um, I don't remember if I told you guys, but like way back in the dark ages when I was um, um, playing RPGs um, in the 80s, or late, actually early 90s, um, when I got into Star Trek, um, it just worked out that for my little group, I was the oldest guy in the group. I think I was like 22 or 23 or something. Everybody yeah. else was like, you know, 20, 19, 18. I think actually I, the youngest was 15 because he was the brother of my, of my co-GM. But anyway, a bunch of young guys. Yep. You know, I was the oldest. I was also the one who was the most knowledgeable about Star Trek. Um, and I was the co- one of the two co-GMs. So I kind of by default became the captain. Right. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. this is kind of cool. I, I love Cisco. I love Picard. I love uh, Kirk. Um, like, I get that idea. I have the Star Trek knowledge and I have a, a little bit of maturity, a, a little bit more maturity than the rest of you, but I mean, not re- really that much. Right. Mm-hmm. But so, kind of like by group fiat, they made me the captain. And um, in the years that we played together, I discovered that especially the younger guys kind of looked up to me as as a as a mentor as a person right outside the game but also inside the game as as the captain and they were playing junior officers you know working their way up the ranks and i was, I was like this was really and i didn't really appreciate it until much later and then i looked back on it and reflected and it was like wow we really grew as a group mm-hmm. like individuals but also as 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 gamers right um but so like that 
I, I discovered <laughs> later in life as we, as I became an adult that like I was unintentionally cultivating them as leaders and as people, right? Because like they were becoming more effective role players of, of department heads, right? Because like one of them was the chief science officer, the other one was the chief engineer, and the other one was the chief medical officer. Yeah. And so just through the role playing, my co-GM and I gave them opportunities to interact with their junior staff officers, right? So it's like, oh, you know, you've got a junior officer coming up to you with a problem. They need to figure out, and it was like, okay, this kid's 15 years old and he's playing the chief chief science officer, and yet we're giving him a very adult situation of like, you have a junior officer who is coming to you for help. What do you do? And and like he role played it really well and, and worked through it, but it was like just like giving him that opportunity at 15, where like I, I don't even remember if he was in Boy Scouts or not, so I don't know what kind of like outside extracurricular life he had, where he had opportunities to be a leader, but at the game table he had, he was a leader. And because uh, he was role playing a leader and he had an opportunity to do it. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, but I guess my point, though, is like I we were go- we ended that campaign, which was really good. And then we were going to start another campaign. And my co-GM and I had this bright idea of like, you know what? We've got so much experience running Star Trek, playing Star Trek. Mm-hmm. We know the Star Trek lore inside and out. We had the the Akuda Sternbach uh, technical manual memorized right because that thing came out in 91 or whatever and that was like the bible for all things star trek rpgs because it was like it was so perfect oh yeah um, but so we took it upon ourselves to write a how-to role play star trek our star trek officers document right it was like a 10 page word document actually it wasn't even word i think it was um word star <laughs> uh oh gosh i can't word perfect maybe yes oh, word there perfect. it is yep yes and, and i remember that the only printer we had was was my dad's old dot matrix printer that would go you know G, 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 and it was on the perforated paper right and you yes. had to peel off the perforation the on the paper. side and then the yeah. paper was perforated too so you had to fold apart it was ridiculous but our children um, will never understand the struggle no they mm-hmm. will not they will not and like you had to feed the paper just right into the, into the <laughs> yes. work or it would tear and we get all off kilter and then you get yeah. lines all over oh, the place that, anyway that was um, but so so I remember writing this stupid pretentious document of like how to be a That's how great. to role play a starfleet officer i think i still got a copy of it somewhere actually oh cool uh, but uh um i i, I remember reading it's it like oh there's so much leadership stuff in here about like how to be patient with your junior officers and how to how to manage your schedule and just like how to do this stuff and uh, so that really resonated with me uh, jason when i was reading your book because i'm like oh yeah because you're you're pulling up pulling up all these case studies for all the characters that we see on the show and that made me reflect, gosh, we learned how to be leaders just by watching right. Picard and Kirk and Spock and all these other people because they were interacting with their crew and their junior officers and stuff. Yeah. And it was like, oh, wow, this is this is amazing that you can do this in a role-playing thing yeah. because there's just not another game that I've ever played where I get that feel. Like, I mean, there, and no. I've played you know plenty of games. So they're a lot of fun. But like Star Trek, and, and I'm, I'm not spot- talking about Star Trek Adventures in particular, but like Star Trek as an RPG thing that I've been doing for 30 odd years now, like consistently, no matter what system we were using, no matter what, um, you know, gameplay we were doing, it was all those, all that basic stuff that we learned from watching Star Trek is like how to be a good leader, how to be a compassionate, caring person on a ship with other people. And and you're relying on them <laughs> day in and day out because if one person has a bad day, everybody's dead. Right, just <laughs> given the given the shift. So anyway, I'll stop talking because I I want you guys. No, to, no, that's to, to this is this right is ex, this is exactly what we wanted to talk about. And you, and okay. I guess 
until I read your book, Jason, and now that we've talked about it, it really hit. Um, watching, especially for me, watching Cisco, especially um, Avery Brooks is Avery Brooks is a oh, phenomenal man. actor. Yeah, um, he's obviously Shakespearean trained. He just has this aura around him, and you see it with Picard too. You see how they went from um, not being so much autocratic, but being a distance-based leader. Mm-hmm. to becoming to the point where they were instead of pushing i always said they were pushing their people along now he was pulling them and they would be willing to go um wherever for him. and mm-hmm. just as you're talking jim i just realized you know because i didn't start looking i didn't move into leadership positions really until like 2007 2008 and if i go back and really analyze it it probably had a lot to, it, there's probably a lot of cisco and picard that yeah. um I had in my brain as I was doing it. So mm-hmm. um, the history of it, and I don't know, Jason, if that's, you know, you know, something that you've kind of pondered as you've worked through the first book. And I know you're working on a second well, and without giving anything away. I mean, to, to get, okay. To get away from my book, which was thank you. Very flattering, but not the pur- purpose of this conversation. Um, although if you're listening, you should definitely buy one. Um, but, Absolutely. but, but, like I don't I mean I I have to go way back like like I think like being really little before I found myself you know intentionally modeling a lot of what I saw in Star Trek uh, I I mean it this speaks more to me than anything but like Spock no brainer right uh, I don't think I ever used those two words together before but for me like imitating Spock that was just totally clear like why wouldn't you want to model yourself after his acumen his logic whatever but when TNG came out and not just Picard who still is my favorite captain but but Picard and honestly even more so Data but also the others like I, I by God by adolescence by even my my tweens like, I don't think there were a lot of days any given week where, like, I didn't question, okay, how would they do that? You know, I might, I didn't say anything at the time, but I think a lot of us were doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jim, do you see how, you know, in just talking about this and, and in prior roles and even, and I don't want to step on toes here, even in your role working on, you know, the, the IP, the Star Trek IP with Star Trek Adventures as a PM, do you see yourself kind of um, modeling in some way, um, you know, your experiences both as a gamer, what you've seen and read about as a captain, as the captains in your daily leadership roles that you've, oh, that you've been in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, now, and, you know, of course, the folks at Mendifius would probably disagree. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if they're listening to the show or not, but uh, I think um, a, a project manager, you know, has to be a leader. Right, because yeah. you you have to win hearts and minds and and influence people. Not in, I mean, you could be a dictator and be an ass about it, but it's going to be just makes it a much harder experience, right? Uh, but to be uh, uh, compassionate when you need to be compassionate, and, and and but you also need to be firm when you need to be firm. And like if someone's not delivering something when you know you need it, not for you personally, but because the business is dictated deadlines and requirements and expectations and mm-hmm. and and the project manager is the one steering the ship basically so basically i'm you know i have to be the captain of star trek adventures because that's the 
the role that Medifius offered me when they gave me the the PM spot. And, right. and so that that was just kind of a natural leadership role that had to be filled, right? Uh, Brad, I may not be answering your question quite right. No, 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 this but, is perfect. Um, but like, like to, to, to stretch the analogy even farther and at the risk of breaking it, like we have, we have a marketing team, we have a graphics team, we have, um, we have a, a web store team, we have a freelance team. My art director has his team of freelance writers. I have our uh, freelance artists. Yep. I have my team of freelance uh, writers and editors and proofreaders. So like they're all department heads of their respective things. Right. right? Uh, and then we have the leadership, which is the Admiralty, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. And then I've got my fellow PMs who are the cap, my fellow captains. And we have our little nice. um, circle of trust meetings and, and uh, we, but I have to interact with all these different levels and all these different department heads. And on rare occasions, I have to, talk to the like the individual designers or the individual artists not so much that often but like sometimes there's an interaction there because i know because I, I also i'm double-hatted right i'm the project manager but i'm also the line editor so i have an mm -hmm, opportunity mm -hmm. to get into the weeds a little bit more than a project manager might because uh, the project managers technically aren't responsible for the the right. actual um sausage making of the product right they're not writing the words they're not editing the words they're not adding the the ip knowledge and know-how over it but i'm able to do that right. um but but i as a project manager like i'm the captain of this ship and i have to be able to interact with all these people and and keep things positive and moving forward so that we're accomplishing our goals and hitting our targets and delivering the products that we need to deliver on mm -hmm. time and under budget of course um so i i don't know brad am i i, I may be rambling at this no. point mm -hmm. hit on what you were looking for or yeah yeah, I think, and and I'll tell you, I just in our talks over the past couple of years, yeah. you know, you trust you trust the people that you engage with in yeah. the various components yeah. that are, like you said, making you know sausage making that are putting together the book or books or materials, mm -hmm. PDFs and so on. So I think it is, you know, there is a difference between leadership by trying to do everything. There's mm -hmm. high, you know, high possibility of failure. Or mm -hmm. leadership and trusting the members of your team, and yeah. you've always come across to me. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to patronize. It's just I always look at this as a PM and as a leader. How are other people leading? I'm always analyzing, and I see that you trust the people that you work with, and it allows you to do the work that you should be doing, mm -hmm. and it allows those other people to work. And you see that in Trek. I see there's a model there, um, right. you know. And I've tried to do that myself with very yeah. various levels of success or failure yeah. but yeah you hit it right on the head and you and you kind of talk just you even went into further detail by just going into talking about the art director and all of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so yeah i it, it's just it's i find it interesting you know in your we've talked about this a million times about the role you play there within the line yeah. um what i'm curious about and jason interrupt at any point i'm getting um, ready okay i know you are um when you sit down at the table, oh, wait, okay, are, I'm going to interrupt. So, okay, sorry, because we're going to go somewhere else, and I, I want to. You want to finish? Don't, don't yeah. lose. The, don't lose the thought, Brad. No, uh, no, no, I won't. I won't. No, no, no. We're coming right back to that, but because we're about to, we're about to pivot, and I, I want to, I want to just say something about this. Share an observation that hopefully you'll, you'll address, Jim. So, so drifting from leadership, maybe, but, but staying with Trek before we get to being back at the table, mm -hmm. um. You have told us, like these past two years, you've told us, and we've also heard of the experience from some of your writers about how you 
actively try to create opportunities mm-hmm. for people where you recognize they have talent, whether whether they're manifesting that talent or whether it's maybe a little more nascent and you have the wherewithal to bring it out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, ignoring, well, you know, ignoring just what lovely leadership that is, like that's, that is very beautifully Trek. Like I think I had, I had reason yesterday to, um, go back to think about the uh, first episode, right? Strange New Worlds of Strange New Worlds. And toward the end of it, uh, toward the very end of it, Pike is talking to La'an right before he offers her a permanent commission aboard Enterprise. And in regard to, you know, uh, defending themselves against the Gorn and who knows what comes, um, his observation of the Federation and of Starfleet specifically was what sets them apart as an organization is they recognize they're better together. Mm-hmm. And that that seems very Trekian and very congruent with like what you've talked about, right? I'm just, I'm ignoring your modesty, but what you've talked about, how over the years in this role as, as PM, how you've been able to intentionally give people chances when you mm-hmm. think they might be really good at this. Um, and your definition, your explanation of that jibes with what some of them have told us. And it's like, yeah, that's really working. And obviously we see it in the products, but, but that's still neat to see because I don't think that's normative yet. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really interesting, Jason. I, uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I guess I've been so focused on the game that I don't take the time to really sit back and think about, oh gosh, all these writers have been getting these interviews too, and they've been talking to Jason, and they've been talking to Brad, and they've been talking to Michael, and all these. We other, only they're talking to each other, stuff. right? Yeah. They're talking to each other, and it's like, oh shit, I can't, <laughs> right? I can't, I, I can't hide anymore. <laughs> like I can't, I can't do my little secret thing behind the scenes. It's like it's all out in the open now. So it's like, oh damn it, okay, we'll deal with it. But no, I think um, uh, just to touch on the, something that both of you remarked on is like, yeah, this is very Star Trek, very yeah. Star Trek, and, and and that is absolutely. Because Star Trek imprinted on me when I was watching the original series yeah. reruns, and then into Next Gen and DS Nine and everything else. Yeah. Um, I, you know, if I had to reflect, I don't know that we saw like Kirk and Spock necessarily giving other officers opportunities to do something different. I think we did. I, I could probably go watch and try to remember and find some, but I know Picard did a few times, and Riker certainly did. Um, like I, I feel like the department heads, we had just the way the shows were structured. Sometimes we saw department heads giving opportunities to their junior officers more frequently than we saw Picard giving opportunities to his officers, only because of their you know ranks and stuff. Yep, I could yep, be wrong right. again. I have to go look at the yeah, canon. absolutely. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's but I think part of that too is um, just my experience in the corporate world becoming a leader and and, mm-hmm. and and working my way up the food chain and becoming a project manager in 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 the day job kind of thing. Um, to where, and plus I do professional development, right? So I, I, I do a lot of training for sellers and, right. um, what I've discovered over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so is one of the things I'm really passionate about is helping people be better at what they do or to be yeah. more successful. And if like, I, if I can like analyze their job or if I can kind of like analyze where they are in their career, and if I have a skill set or if I have just like knowledge that they may not be aware of and I can impart that to them and all of a sudden I see the light bulb go off and all of a sudden they're more successful. I've done my job, right? That's that's I mean, that's leadership, but it's also being a subject matter expert and sharing my my knowledge. Right. 
but that but that's what makes a really good leader i think is like you yes. you, you can be yeah you can be uh and i don't want to say it's selfless but you're not focused no, on not. you you're focused on them and helping your your team be better and that's something i'm super super passionate about and absolutely that's a star trek thing that i picked up along okay, hold that's episode a, that's... episode interjection i gotta get this in there okay brother lower decks rutherford because we're doing this tonight rutherford comes to shacks after yeah. hanging out for a while in security mm -hmm. to see if something else fits and you know what i'm talking about he comes to shacks and says you know i'm sorry commander but i i think and i'm paraphrasing i think this isn't a fit for me and i need to go back to engineering and there's this awkward terrifying pause yeah. and then Everyone bursts out in applause, and he's like, "Good for you, baby bear! You found your calling." And yeah. like, it's like the most Trek thing ever, and that's what right. you're talking about. It's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's. Uh, um, I don't know what it is. I don't. I mean, maturity is part of it, but I think it's just life experiences, and, and and just spending time with people, getting to getting to know people. I think is is really key. Whether you're any kind of management type of role. If if you have direct reports or even even like junior peers, um, who who are new to the company or whatever, it's really important. Like, make some time to get to know them, right? As people, like like not just in the job, but like you know, see what they're willing to share. And of course, you have to be vulnerable too and be willing to share stuff and say, look, no, this is okay. This is a safe space. I'm going to be vulnerable and share stuff with you. It's okay if you want to share stuff. And you know, I'm not going to push you certainly, but hopefully, I'm creating a safe you know, nurturing environment that you will be willing to share with me. I can learn you learn about you a little bit more. And then if you are, you know, I'm not saying me, but if you are in a position where you can give opportunities to other people, then you start to get a sense of like, Oh, you know, and I'll use myself as an example. I'll say, Oh, you know, Michael, you really like to do, you are a storyteller. You really like storytelling. You understand what the components of a Star Trek story are and how the beats work and how the scenes work and stuff like as as he was starting to work with me on like mission briefs and standalone adventures like we were starting and i did a couple of interviews with him i think on like uh on text or something right so i was just getting to know him but by being very careful about asking questions and getting to know him and really drilling down into and, and being specific without him necessarily realizing i was kind of drilling down and being specific i mean there's a yeah. there's an art to that um but um i figured out along the way that it's like i think i have this project i have to do this this you know captain's log i think you would be a really good fit to work on it in a larger capacity than just working on um a standalone adventure or or, or you know a chapter of a book or something and 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 fortunately i was right <laughs> right because right. it came out Big really time. good um, and you know, sometimes it misses, like sometimes you do things and it doesn't quite work, but sometimes it does work. And, uh, you'll, we'll be able to talk about this again, maybe the next time I'm on the show, if I'm, if I'm invited back, because there was another writer, I, I can't talk about it yet because it hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. The book hasn't come out yet, but the, the next book that's coming out, I had a similar experience with this person, with, with, with a person who I said, I think you would be really well suited for this. Just given what I've been working on with you on Star Trek adventures for the last couple of years. And it worked out that he was a good fit for this, and then we went on from there. So I think Such um, I've lost the I've lost the thread here. What am I What am I talking about? <laughs> no, no, no. You yeah. So um, just uh, um, giving people opportunities is really important to me. And I just I lucked into this job situation where I'm able to do that. And the fact that it's oh, Star cool. Trek, and the fact that um, uh, well, actually it may be different now. But for a while there, Modiphius was really the only place 
where a new writer could get an opportunity oh. to work on Star Trek, right? Like, because oh, sure. the novels, sure. novels, you pretty much need a an agent and you go yep. through Simon and Schuster. Yeah. Um, except for Star Trek Insider, the magazine, nobody's got the license to do Star Trek short fiction. Um, so there's no opportunity there. Um, oh, wow. other unless, unless you're just writing for the love and writing fanfic and right. posting it online. Right. Um, and of course the screenplays, all that stuff, that's all in house at. Uh, at um at the studios yeah um and so i i was like oh my gosh i got i i just fell into this opportunity like oh i can give new writers an opportunity and of course you know five years ago i didn't know what the hell i was doing i was just kind of trying to figure it out and i was trying to emulate the the acquisitions editors that i had worked with on the other side like i'm a writer trying right. to get a job and right. or trying to get a role and i watched what they did so that i was learning from them being good leaders right so that's that's a a good mark of a leader too is that you're constantly learning you got to be constantly learning to improve yourself so that you can then improve the people that you're, you're working with or who are working for you. Mm -hmm. um, but just like having worked with a couple of really good editors, I was like, Oh, he's doing this really well, or she's doing this really well. I want to do that. And then I applied that to what I was doing with Star Trek adventures. And it's like, Oh, cool. I can give these people opportunities and I can help them along. I can help them be stronger writers by just being, you know, very targeted um, comments and in, in their documents and manuscripts and stuff. Um, and just go from there. So I'm going to stop because I think I'm rambling at this point. No, you're not. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, you're, you're, but you're Brad, not. bring us back because I no, 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 no. before. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 you're not. You're not. This is good. I think you, you've you brought up, it's not a lost art because it's never been an art that's been used in business. Um, it's, a, it's something that needs to. And what you've talked about is empathy, compassion, and um, in effect, looking out for the people that work for you or work with you. Mm. And... Um, a lot of times out in the corporate world, I've seen it. Um, I've experienced it. People don't understand that's not a weakness. That's a strength. Doing you know? good business is good for business. Yeah. And and I've always been trained in my role. You know, I've always learned in my roles. It's always good to ultimately train your replacement. Um, you know, and a lot of people are very protective of their own IP, what they know. So listeners, this will be Brad's final episode. Jim is finally yeah. replacing him. Yeah, pretty as, much. As a... <laughs> pretty much. I mean, Jason talks all the time anyway. So that's true. Um, I don't need a podcast for, for that. For, for for all they know, you could just be you could just be mimicking my voice and I don't actually exist. Or I could be AI. Um <laughs> although I have mimicked your voice, Jason. There might be an episode of Dice of Mine with AI Jason. I have yeah, oh that's God. that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, I know. But no 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 you the idea of, and I'm, I don't want to narrow it down, but the idea of looking out for the people that work for you, finding their strengths and, and enhancing them and upskilling them and leveling them up using a, a tech game term, whatever it is, um, mm -hmm. you don't see that. And you don't see it. It's because from the top on down, and I'm generalizing, but I firmly believe this to be very generalized jason you teach leadership so you could tell me in your experience if i'm right or wrong um you just don't see that people feel like you have to be a by my language a jackass to be successful and that's absolutely not the case yeah. getting to know who your team members are i always tell people what's your fuel what drives you and that's exactly what you're talking about you know you found so you found people on your team that are good writers and you feel like they're few, they you'd increase their fuel by putting them into these different roles because mm -hmm. you think they'll succeed. And that type of leadership is not out there prevalent enough. 
And let's be honest, it's like I said before, it's not a lost art because it's never been prevalent. It's something that needs to be. And right. it's been in the, really you know, I've got articles from Harvard Business Review going back to 2016 when they've been trying to push this mm-hmm. um, idea. So even before we get back to, to the table, I'm, I'm talking, I'm, I'm hammering on this because I love to hear other people who get it. Mm, um, okay. Too many people don't. Yeah, I've worked for I've worked for people who have, but just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. You are looking for, you are looking at each individual, and seeing what their strengths and where their where I don't like using the term weaknesses, but their strengths and their areas of improvement yeah. where you can upskill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's that's you know, kudos to you for doing that. And again, I'm not trying to be patronizing. I just think people who are listening, if they're leaders, I think it's something worth researching. Mm-hmm and learning about it may not be ultimately your path but i think we need i think more like jason you just said more good business um, yeah you know just treating each other's correctly empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. all the better so with with that being said brad and all great words absolutely i I agree with you 100 um no doubt there um i i do want to you know tell our listeners that uh you know it's not it's not all it's not all bread and roses right it's not perfect there are there are people in my in the broader team that that don't get it like you were you were saying some people get it some people don't get it they don't get that kind of management or leadership they are leaders in their own respect they don't get that kind of level and and um so there is some uh i don't want to say resistance there's just a, a difference of opinion on how things can can be run or should be run in some mm-hmm, cases, mm-hmm. and um, and of course that that makes the challenge interesting because it's it's not smooth sailing every day, right? I, I mean, obviously, right. ideally, it would be smooth sailing every day, but it's not always because uh, there is some resistance and there's some back and forth and and things, and that's just natural, and you just have to go with the flow and make it make it work and you know stay professional and all that stuff. Um, but I just wanted to caution, uh, you know, folks oh. that it's not, it's not all, it's not, I mean, I mean, I'm talking up a good, a good game here and, and like, you guys are being very, uh, very kind with your, with your comments, <laughs> but it's, it's not, it's not always perfect. And, um, I wish in some cases it could be, but, uh, I mean, that's just the way the world is, is like, not every, not everyone's mm-hmm. going to go along with it and you just have to tr- do your best to figure out what makes them tick. Like you were saying, Brad, what, what's, what are they, what are they, what are, what are they here for? Right. What, like, why are you doing what you're doing? Right. And as long as you can kind of like get them on that level, mm-hmm. then you can work with them. Um, I think it's, it was, uh, actually it was Riker who, when, uh, um, Elizabeth Dennehy's character came on, uh, when Shelby came on the yeah, show, that's Best right. Both worlds, it's great. And they, had, they had that, that real back and forth butting heads yeah. and Riker was like, you know what? We don't have to like each other to work well together. Right. We can, we yep. can, we can function as, you know, Starfleet officers and get the job done and we don't have to like each other. And, you know, and she had a big old chip on her shoulder and she's like, well, you're in my way. And, uh, cause I want, you know, I want I'm terrible I'm, for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a great scene. It was good stuff, but that, that just shows you Riker's leadership right? where he was like, he was like, you know, I acknowledge that we are not going to be besties. Um, but at the same time, I can I can gently remind you that we we don't have to like each other, and I don't. We can still I, be effective as a team. I don't know that that's inherently a bad thing. Yeah. Right. That that when things are easy, when everyone's on the same wavelength, when mm-hmm. everyone gets it, that type of agreement breeds or risks breeding complacency. 
Yeah. And and we we can't remain dynamic as leaders, as thinkers, as creators when everything's going to plan. So there's mm -hmm. got to be, and you know, life takes care of that. It's not going to, but there's well, I, there's got to be some pushback. There's yeah. it's it, you know to to hammer hammer on what you were talking about. It's never perfect. Yeah. Um. In this in this environment, you are going to find little microcosms where this exists mm -hmm. um as it stands now i've seen you know in all honesty the closest company i've seen only because we've interviewed them is is matthew sprang at mongoose mm -hmm. um that's they have a very unique existing type of of org structure and culture um what you do and and I'm, i don't want to speak for any modifius i don't want to speak for anyone else because i don't know the other ip lines other than the inordinate amounts of money that I spent on all the different products. Um, <laughs> True. You know, what I find is what you're talking about isn't cultural at a good organization. And as such, you know, if someone does this and I I'm being selfish because I've experienced it, people are going to resist to it because they don't understand it. Mm -hmm. um, and they think it's self-serving. They don't understand that people can really truly be altruistic in those leadership roles. No one believes that. So until, um, until it becomes, and if it becomes, um, you know, we start to see an increased, you know, tidal wave of this, um, you're going to find it and it's going to be challenging even there. And you even said it yourself, we as leaders are still learning. We never will stop learning. Mm -hmm. So even as we are doing it now, it's going to be different than when we're doing it three to five years from now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's bring it back to the table at least for a moment. I got to ask, I got to ask a question. So in all this talk about leadership and so on, and with the products that you have, um, you know, PM'd and line edited and all that, mm -hmm. have you thought about these concepts and of leadership and all of that and, and found ways, and this is, I know the answer is going to be yes, but I, I kind of want to flesh it out further. How have you integrated that into the products that you've, that you, and how have, you know, the, the writers, how have they implemented that? Do you feel, um, have they done a good job? Do you feel like you've done a good job? You know, honestly, do you feel like you could do better? Do you feel like you're up here? You know what I mean? I guess, you know, how does this culture of leadership at the table or leadership in general permeate into what you write and what I would see as an end user opening That's up the question, yeah. utopia planitia, captain's log, um, whatever the case is. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I would say, I, yeah, say from my perspective, I say, I see it and I say yes, but yeah. I'm outside looking in. Right. 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 And, and I, I try and, and you know, it's, I, it's not humble to say you're humble. Right. But I'm still, <laughs> still going to try to say it. Like I, I, I try really hard to step out myself. And, and put myself into the fans' shoes, right? Because I spend a lot of time on social media yeah. with fans on all the different stuff and just to say, oh, you know, are they are they enjoying the books? Are they getting anything out of it? And I think I use that as the primary barometer is like, what are the fans saying about the game when we're not around? Like, what, what are their Twitches? What are their YouTube conversations? What are their podcasts saying? What yes, are the little yes, yes. articles that they're posting on blogs saying? Like, what are the, what what is the meta? I guess is what is what some some little, some games out there call it. Like, what's the game meta? And um, it, overall, like, it's been really positive, and it is it's interesting to read how people are excited about Captain's Log or about Utopia Planitia or about specific components of different books and stuff. 
And I look at that and I'm like, okay, it sounds like we did a good job, right? It sounds like people are happy with the line. They're happy with the individual products. I can see the joy. Like when I, there was just a new article about Captain's Log a couple of weeks ago on on YouTube. And I, and I watched it and I was like, holy cow, this guy like really went all out. He like, he got himself a uniform. He's doing the sound effects. He's playing <laughs> through the game. I'm like, holy cow. He's like, he made this whole production for captain's log and it's like wow and and he would never have done that if that book didn't exist right right and it's like wow we did that and it's like so then i reflect and i'm like okay what did it take to get that book out there into the world for somebody to pick it up and go do it well somebody had to lead that effort and and that oh that oh wait that was me and, and then uh i had to hire or not hire but i had to you know bring on freelancers to to make that happen and they had to do their thing, right? Because like I know, and we're speaking specifically of Michael here, right? Because I'm talking about Captain's Luck. Um, you know, I, I asked him to be the lead writer because at the time I was working on three other projects that were how high priority. And I there was no way I could manage the effort on all three of them at the same time. So I was like, look, I, I need some help, <laughs> right? Clearly. And I think you've been working with me long enough to know that I think you've got the chops. I can help you with the important stuff, like where you need a little support. Of course, he's already successful in his bu professional business, right? But uh I felt like he had what he needed, uh, plus a little guidance from me if necessary. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, he got that. But um, I think watching him be a leader with his little playtest groups and his little sub teams, because I saw that in the manuscripts he was sending me, right? Like like he was he was sending me good stuff, whereas a, a different writer maybe would have been less polished, maybe would have needed a, even more of a lift from me to get it to the next level. Um, but I knew just having seen his stuff, like I knew where he was and I knew it would just take a little bit of a push out the door to get him to the next level. And that's, I mean, fortunately, fortunately it worked out. I mean, you're always glad, glad when it works out and you're like, oh shit, it didn't work out. And then you got to figure, figure something else out. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, but so there was, there was leadership from me to him and then from him to his little sub team. And then that all flowed back to me because I saw the manuscripts and I'm like, okay, they they delivered the manuscript that I needed. This is the ninety percent solution that I was hoping it would be. Now I can carry it the rest of the way and continue the leadership from there. Um, so I'm seeing it in the manuscripts I'm getting from my writers. I'm seeing it in the edits and the proofreads I'm getting from the editors and proofreaders. Um, and then like um, uh, Ariel uh, Aurier, who's our art director, um, oh. I'm seeing his leadership reflected in the art that he's getting from his artists oh yeah because right? because like i know that he and i work together writing the art briefs so like he and i are collaborating creatively figuring out what's the what's the art gonna look like and we go back and forth on it and uh um and then he takes that art brief and he sends it to artists and there's a whole there's a whole universe of alchemy that i don't understand yeah. how an art director works with an artist to go from like concept to rough sketches to polished sketches to final piece of art. Like there's a whole, there's a whole leadership thing there that I have I, I just don't have visibility into. Like I can probably guess at the basics, right? Because leadership is leadership. Um, but uh then he sends me the he, sometimes he'll send me a sketch and say, are we on the right track of this? But 90, I'd say probably like 90 times out of a hundred, he'll send me the the near final and say, okay, we're pretty much done with this. Are there any details? Are, are there any like IP specific details right. that we're missing? You know, is it a, is it a Klingon belt buckle that's wrong? Is it that we got the wrong uh, delta on the on the chest? Is it you know is is this the wrong phase or that kind of stuff? Um, but when he sends me these these near final pieces of art, I'm like, 
holy cow, this is amazing, <laughs> right? This is an awesome piece of art. What in the world did you have to do to make the artist make this? Like, I, what what's that magic sauce? And I don't know. But that's that goes back to what you were saying um, earlier. I think I think it was Brad, might be you, Jason, where you have to trust your team to do their thing. Like, like he was hired for a reason because he's a really good artist and he's a really good art director. I don't want to micromanage him because I'm just going to screw it up, <laughs> right? He's clearly doing things on a on a level that I will never aspire to because I just don't know enough about art. But I trust him to do the work because I'm seeing the work that he's delivering and his team is delivering. Um, and so clearly there's leadership there. And that leadership component is getting into the books as well. So what, what the fans are getting are a book that is hopefully, in my opinion anyway, well-written, well-edited, well-proofread, beautiful art. And then there's a whole another component of the of the um it's not art direction but it's the it's the design team it's the people laying out the books it's, it's, they're creating the look and feel yeah. of the book, um and then they are somehow integrating the artwork and the writing and the design and bringing it all together into a cohesive whole, and that's a piece that I don't really understand either. Um, I mean I know a little bit about Photoshop and I know a little about InDesign, but like I don't know anything about proper graphic design right like i can read about it and go okay I, I get the concepts right and i you know as a project manager i know enough to ask the right questions to it like i i know the technical stuff enough that i can i can have a conversation with a technical writer or a technical artist or something and and, and get through it well enough but i again i rely on them to do their job because that's what they're there for and i'm seeing the results of it right so anyway um getting around to the fans hopefully uh, Brad, the fans, when they pick up the books on, on some sort of subconscious level, they're seeing the care and the love and the attention to detail that, that are going into these books. And it's not just Star Trek. It's, it's, it's Acton Cthulhu. It's Dune. It's all the books that Modifius does. Cause I think all the project managers really want to make great products. And, um, and, and I think you see it reflected in the books when you pick them up and you're like, Holy cow, this is, this is an amazing yeah. piece of work. Right. Um, so I don't know. Does that does that get it? Yeah, going oh, yeah. I feel I, like I missed it again. Sorry. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I'll give you. I'll give you the other half of the question because you yeah. kind of hit on the. Is I go and I read um, the game master's guide. Mm -hmm. I will read like you know not even the captain's log so much, but um, even reading some of the other source books, whether they're the quadrant source books or the division source books, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. um, do you think the team? You know, when it comes to the game mastery, yeah, that leadership game master role, and there's multiple leaders. On, there's the leaders of the players group. There's traditionally department heads. Then there's the game master who drives it. That leader. Do you think there is a Trekian approach to how you derive the content when it comes to that game master when they're at the table? Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's that's uh, not what I was asking originally. This is no, this but is I actually, I, th I think you were, and I think I misinterpreted it. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I but I probably didn't speak it right. Then I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that on my shoulders because you don't. Yeah, you, I'm not gonna put it on yours. I, I think that's on me. Um, but no, I think and I think what you're getting at is like the the tone and the overall vibe of the game line is that are the are the writers reflecting that? Is it is it reflecting it appropriately? Mm. And I would say yes, absolutely. I think when 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 it, what was it? Uh, it was a uh, 2019. When uh, when when Chris and Sam said, "Yeah, Jim, we we th you know," because Sam wanted to move on to other roles in the company, and that would leave a void at, at project management for Star Trek. And I was like, "Well, I've been 
I've been doing the work for a couple of years now. I think I'm ready to to take that next leap. And they agreed, fortunately. Um, but I think as soon as I got the reins, um, it, you know, certainly not that anything was wrong with Star Trek. I mean, it was a really good game system. But I think only because I got into it at the time where we were starting to develop the Klingon core book and the tricorder rules digest. Yeah. You know, Cause that was, a, that was a top down uh, tweak of the, of the core book. <laughs> the Klingon core book was a complete top down revision of the core book. Um, and, and, and those two books in particular, especially the Klingon core book, I think um, it was an opportunity to, to bring in a, a, a slightly fresh perspective into the game line um and and because i had spent so much time on social media with the fans um i i had a sense of where the game was kind of wanting to go toward more mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. e like even even the buy even to uh not buy um i'm losing my words um nathan dowdell did a fabulous job of designing a game that was very narrative right yeah. very very star trek very very seen yep. and counter focused mm -hmm. like it feels like star trek at the table it does um mm -hmm. and and after 3 years I felt like it could go further, right? It could go even further into the narrative. It, we could do even more with game mastering. And that's why I introduced the mission briefs, right? Like, so instead of mm -hmm. trying to do like a whole full blown module that's mapped out from beginning to end, go higher level and, and do like broader strokes. Here's this outline that maybe, you know, just start with the first act and see where your players take it. So, so it was, it was an opportunity yeah. to, to start teaching game masters how to think more track. And not to say that the the first core book there didn't, because I think it did. But mm -hmm. um, I think the the first core book, um, the 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 uh, Star the Starfleet core book, not the Klingon core book, the Starfleet core book. Um, of course, uh, production wise, we had to get that done very quickly in order to get it out for Gen Con. Um, mm. And so, mm -hmm. so it wasn't as cohesive of a whole as I think it could have been. And this is you know seven years looking back, it's easy to say that. Um, and uh, certainly no, nothing against anybody at Modiphius because we did, a, a fab, I think, a fabulous job of that book. That's beautiful. Nathan, oh, yeah. Nathan won his awards for the system. The book won awards for design, all this stuff. Um, so it was clearly a hit and it's still super popular even now. Right. I mean, it's still mm -hmm. it's still we're still getting new fans every day. But um, I think with the Klingon core book, there was an opportunity to to see if we could start pushing the game even more narrative, but not just pushing the game to be more narrative, but also to try to like we identified um you know collectively that like okay we've got this really awesome game but all the feedback we're getting is like people aren't sure how to run it they're not sure how to play it they're not sure how to actually uh, get right, into the star right. trek brain um and you know i'm certainly not going to blame any other game for doing this but i think dungeons and dragons creates a very particular type of gamer and game master and a certain set of expectations right and then when they go to a different game, they're like, okay, I, and I, in fact, I see this on social media all the time. I want to try out Star Trek Adventures. I've only ever played D&D &D 5th edition. You know, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be able to play this game without <laughs> yes. any problems yep. or whatever? Yep. And unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, but just the reality is Star Trek Adventures is a very, very different game yeah. than D&D &D 5e. Mm -hmm. you know, they're not, neither of them is a bad game. They're both great games. Um, but they're different. They're so different. And and mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's mm -hmm. tricky to try to teach people that. And I think we identified that even four years ago, it was hard to teach them. So we did the Klingon core book. We did the tricorder set. And then immediately after that, we started working on the player's guide and the game master guide. And those two books, especially, I, I saw those. I was like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to get all my Star Trek stuff, game mastering, leadership, all that stuff out of my head 
and also the page into these two books that are going to help game masters and players be even more effective and even more Star Trek-y. Um, and it was fortunate that I found a cadre of writers who were vibing on the right. same level as me for the most part. Like, right. We had some differences of opinion, and that's what made us stronger as a team, I think. Like you were saying, Brad, and, and, and Jason, you were saying, like, you know, ne it's never going to be perfect. you got to have that little bit of friction mm -hmm. to yep. get mm -hmm. that extra innovation going, right? And so, um, you know, Al and Michael and uh, and uh, and John and all the other writers, we put our heads together. We banged out the outlines for those two books. Um, but like tonally, like I put in the outline, this is where I want to go. This is where I think the game needs to go. Right. Here's the, okay. the direction we should be focusing on in terms of like teaching people the game, not just teaching the game, but like teaching them Star Trek to some extent too, right? Because like, right. there's a whole new generation of people who don't know anything about Star Trek other than like discovery and picard at yep. the time anyway yep. um, they haven't watched the 55 years worth of star trek and you know can't Not necessarily yet. blame them because it's a lot <laughs> but we, we wanted to try to take away the, the fear that people had of like oh i want to do star trek but there's 55 years of star trek i can't absorb that in a week in order to go get to the game table and play i just want to play with my friends um and so like all that leadership stuff that i've developed all the all the knowledge and lore of being a game master for star trek all that went into those books. Fortunately, the writers were on the same vibe as me. All that, all their, all their drafts reflected that too. So it was fairly easy to edit because, like, it was, most of the content was already there, and then I could just tweak it and, and clean it up and, and 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 present it. So that worked out great. Um, and I think um, that's all in the book. Like all the love we have for Star Trek, all yeah. the stuff we've learned as game masters and storytellers over the years imbued itself into those books um and uh it, it couldn't have happened if we didn't have that our, our respective um experiences being game yeah. masters being yeah. storytellers being specifically though being spe um, star trek storytellers and star trek gamers and star trek uh, <clears throat> game masters um and hopefully we were able to present it in such a way that it makes it easier for people to to grok the game and yeah. go on from there. So, Brad, um, I, I fear I may be. No, you hit it. You no, hit it right on the head. No, this is. Okay, so, yeah. okay. So, as a, I, I mean, right on the head. So, as a tiny example of like an outcome of just how, how much this has all evolved in, in yeah. the game line and what you guys have. So, I don't think I said anything. I might, I don't think I said anything about this when I saw you for lunch, but in, I'm looking at the date here, it, toward the end of November. So this isn't, this has been a while. It's just been sitting on my desk. Mm -hmm. Toward the end of November, I just needed some, I just need, I, I, I you know, it, it, in fact, it was, I think it was like Thanksgiving weekend. So I knew I had some time coming. Uh -huh. I'd been kind of jonesing for some real trek. Yeah. I think Brad knows where this is going. So I didn't say anything to anyone. Um, and I had like a chunk of like a whole morning or whatever to myself at the house. Right? Like, like I had the time, I had the space. No, no work I had to do. I decided I want to create a star base in STA in case we ever want to play. I thought mm -hmm. maybe a ship, but I'm like, no, I want to create like I'd done this for um I'd done this in Star Wars in Edge of the Empire for my daughters and nephews and niece uh several years ago. During we already have moment. we already have a ship. We already have a ship. That's right. And so mm -hmm. I thought I want to do this and I want to better learn the mechanics of Star Trek adventures. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, we've been learning, we've been we've been studying and obviously, you know, loving it. But I wanted to do something a little different and really get into it where I had to really pay attention because Brad and I 
well, excuse me, as of yet, we just hadn't, you know, we hadn't had time to play. And mm -hmm. I thought, forget this, I'm going to try this. So to your point, Jim, with all you just said, I was able to use Utopia Planitia mm -hmm. with just a little, little bit of help from the core rule book. And uh -huh. basically in one sitting, I just went I, I did all the roles, which I love. I did all the roles. I just went through the steps as guided in Utopia Planitia, and I created a base. And, you know, then I took a few days to find some visuals and to, to flesh out the story behind it, the specifics behind it, right? I, I kept thinking of our chat with Thomas Moroni became, before he, like, just became so popular. And, like, what he told us when we chatted with him about, like, his process for like thinking through these ships. And it's like, whoa, you know? And yeah. so I just went through Utopia Planitia and I did it. And, and it was so smooth. And I think, mm -hmm. so, you know, to your point, I mean, that's just a tiny singular example, but the fact that you guys are doing what you're doing and something like creating a, a base, a space station, I mean, all of the, cause let's face it, like, like, Character creation in STA is a bit challenging. Thank God for the website, right? Which is actually way fun. But then a few iterations later to be able to create essentially an entire environment for stories. Mm -hmm. I, that kind of blew me away. I mean, I had so much fun over two or three days fleshing out the narrative behind it yeah. because the mechanics were just smooth. I'm just going to disagree only on one point is, is that because I've read through Jason knows so many different systems and there's really cool ways to do session zero character creation. Yeah. Yeah. The more I saw, and again, I'm not, I'm not knocking any other products I've got. Nope. I've got infinity, John Carter and homeworld sitting on my desk. He's been spending um, a lot of money lately, Jim. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I haven't really, but yes, I have. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but point being is, is that, I have found, I don't look at complexity of character creation. I look at the funness factor yeah. of it. And I find that the STA, if you're, if you're in a Star Trek binder, even if you're not, oh. um, it's, it's such a different experience than, than rolling a 5e character right. or anything else. Right. So that's the only, that's the only way I would disagree. Chase is. Oh yeah, totally. But yeah, my, my point though, just, I think what you're talking about, Jim, like this stuff is clearly becoming evident, like for us as end users, because like to be able to go through at this point and like, there's just, you can just do it. Mm -hmm. Right. I was like, how far am I even going to get? And like within a couple hours, it's like, oh my God, I've, I've totally statted this out and mm -hmm. I can see it and I can see how this thing would work and play. I mean, that's just, that's what I love about these games. Yeah, and I think um, you know that's uh, uh, if if I if I bring it into if I bring in the leadership um, yeah. team a little bit, that's where um, as a leader I was learning from my writers, right? Because uh, like uh, Aaron Aaron Pollier and mm -hmm. uh, Al Spader especially are are really big fans of mechanics and random tables and and that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm not quite as big of a fan of, of random tables. I, I never quite did that thing when I was running D&D back in the day. No. I was never really into like random encounters and stuff. I was more story and intentional about like, well, I don't want you to meet some random mooks. I want you to meet these mooks that are going to be right. related to my story down the road. Uh, but um, um, working with them over a couple of products and then moving toward Utopia Planitia, 
uh, it was like clearly there's an opportunity here that we can do a full-blown toolkit like how right. to build your starship exactly. how to build a small craft how to build a space station and uh, Aaron, you know, of course, went off and running with that. And Al, <laughs> Al had some stuff too to, to drop in for random tables. And because, um, like Aaron, I mean, I, I know you. I think you talked to him, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah, he was he, great. He, he just he lives and breathes starships. And like he's had, he's had, <laughs> yeah. he's got his own systems mapped out in his brain about how to oh how to do the math and how mm -hmm. to how to build a thing. And I was like, okay, well, here's your opportunity to codify it. Let's let's make it all official so now and do cool. it. Um, and so he did it, and 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 fortunately, we were able to make it fairly clear, step by step. Here's how to do it. Think about this. Think about that. Think about that. I think looking back, I mean, it's only been what two years since that book came out. Um, there was two wishes I had. I, I wish we had been able to put in some flow charts to make it even easier yeah, to understand be great. the steps yep. of doing it. I think mm -hmm. we learned that lesson with um, um, Captain's Log, where we, we put in more procedural flowcharts on how to actually do stuff. I wish we had done that with Utopia Planitia, just to make it a little bit more clear. I mean, I think I think the steps and the bullet points in there are, are pretty good, mm -hmm. but I think I think if we had had maybe, you know, three more months of development time, we could have we could have added sure. that, that, that extra bit of polish, right? So that's the one thing I wish we had done. The second thing, Absolutely, Jason. I wish we had had more time with Thomas to really dig into the, here's what you need to think about this starship. Yeah, right. What is its function? Right. What does it do? Mm -hmm. Aesthetically, what does it look like? Because like the Federation, like they, the Federation has found that, that, that beautiful balance between form and function. Right. Like the ships are aesthetically pretty, but they also serve a purpose. And, and uh, I, I wish we could have gone into a little bit more thought on like, Oh, you you and your group are going to build a starship. Well, here's some things to think about here, yeah, and not so much like mechanically, you know, what weapons yeah, exactly it have, that kind of stuff. Right. But like, but like, you know, what do you, you know, is it is it an invi inviting space frame shape and feel? Is it is it long and flowing and uh, gliding through mm -hmm. space, or is it more like a brick and it's just going to like push its way through space and uh, be like the, um, you know, like the Sulaco, right? Just kind of like shouldering its way through space. Um, imposing its will upon whatever planet it happens to uh, become in orbit, or is it going to be like the Enterprise D, where it's just kind of like gliding into, because it's, it's got such pretty smooth lines, right? And it's like it's uh, it's, it's uh, gliding through space as opposed to like you know pushing its way through. So I wish we'd been able to put more of that into Utopia Planitia to get into the 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 starship designer brain but um other than aaron we didn't really have a starship designer <laughs> so i wish we i wish there, there, I wish there I had aren't many who do yeah. that professionally <laughs> right I, I, I wish that uh, i mean if wishes were horses right but uh the the relationship we had with thomas wasn't as mature then as it is now so yeah, like, of course like right now if i talk to thomas he, he'd write that stuff all day long it, it would be awesome but three years ago when we were developing the book it, it just wasn't quite there yet yeah. Um, and, and it didn't occur to me, of course, until <laughs> yeah, of 2020 course, yeah. hindsight, right? You know, but uh, uh, those are the two wishes I had for that. But uh, I think it, I, I'm grateful That's to cool. hear your, your feedback, and I'm so thrilled to hear that you just got you had fun, you know, creating a, a space station. Um, because I know that oh, we, so used, we used Utopia Planitia, or at least I did, as the launching point for Captain's Log, right? Because like we saw all the things we were doing. It's right. like, well, we use yeah, the player's shows. guide. The, we use the player's guide and the game master guide to teach people how to play the game more better. We use Utopia Planitia to to show them how to build stuff mm -hmm. effectively. Why don't we take that to the next level now and do Captain's Log, where we're encouraging people to just go create their own stories and plot points and storylines and all this stuff. And we were just, you know, it was just an evolution, right? And and we took it to the next to the next step. And uh, um, mm -hmm. it is, it, it, you know, 
and now now we you know that story you just told us jason about you getting to sit down with the book and just build a space station yeah that's the same kind of story we've been hearing from people using captain's log as yes a tool to mm -hmm. unlock they to unlock their creativity and go create a character and then go tell amazing star trek stories and and that is the most exciting and humbling thing that i've ever done creatively is like to be able to make that thing and to see people doing stuff with it uh there's i don't know oh uh, you're gonna have to call me on this i i don't know and of course i only because i'm in the moment and we're talking i don't know of another creative medium offhand where where you can create a thing mm -hmm. and give it to somebody Mm -hmm. And then they can though then take it and go be oh you know what they're I'm wrong. You know what? And I should have known this because I I'm a lifelong fan of Lego. Lego I knew you were nice. going to make there Lego. Is. Yeah. This is. is what this is what they're doing, right? Because they, they make the it sets, is, yeah. they make the pieces, they they design the pieces, they engineer all the different pieces, and then they put them into sets or they put them into random bulk bags or, or, or packages or whatever, and then they push all that stuff out to the world. And then they get to see what people do with it, right? And I, I would love to hear from I would love to talk to somebody from Lego someday and say, all that cool stuff that you make, all those random bits and pieces, seeing the end result, like seeing all the fans around the world making amazing creations, like how does that make you feel? Like, like, like just yeah, it's gotta like, be pretty walk cool. me through it. Like, is it is it cool? Is it like what is it? I don't know. But like a musician makes beautiful music, but I can't say necessarily of course i'm not a musician but like you know does another musician listen to their stuff and say oh i can take that and i can go do this and build on it or change it or make it different it just it feels different than me right me creating a toolkit and saying take this toolkit and go do something amazing with well it. i think that's but you know that's the second time now you've mentioned the term toolkit and i yeah. and and i like yes. i i'm automatically going back to the fate toolkits yeah like the fate space toolkit is mm -hmm. just so much fun to read, right? Because it just gets the mind going. But I think right. that's the operative word here because that's what something like Captain's Log is. It's like you can listen to beautiful music. If you're a musician, I guess you can riff off of that, but it's not a toolkit, yeah. right? Whereas whereas Captain's Log, yeah, I will say that. I mean, you you know what the two of us think about Captain's Log. Um, but man, but I think that book specifically has helped me get more into Star Trek Adventures, and more readily than anything that came before. And honestly, it's helped me get more into Trek again. Because mm. uh, like you mentioned, sorry, Brad, you you mentioned random tables. I've, I've never been a random table person. I mean, we back in the start of the podcast, we we talked to some people who who like specialize in creating random tables, super creative stuff. I never much cared for them until Captain's Log. Mm. And then it was like, these are so much fun. Like I get it now, yeah. you know, but, and again, I know we don't want to, we don't want to focus on one product, but I think the point of captain's log is I know it's, I know how it's marketed, but I also know we've talked about it and really it is, here comes the literature. Um, it is creating literature. That is, um, it is. There's not another product that I, and I played a lot of great solo games um, and I've read a lot of great solo games and even Michael was talking about this when we had him on here, where he would log the story as he would play with his nieces and nephews and they wanted to go and read it afterwards. Yeah, that's cool. um, but that is a creative writing. I'm going to go back toolkit versus almost it. Yes, you can play solo. It is a solo yeah. game. Yeah. But 
the way you're playing it, you're in effect writing and you don't even necessarily realize it until you've gotten through, mm-hmm. you know, a mission. So I think it's a different type of product, but there's also a leadership component to it just because you're driving your own story. Mm-hmm. It potentially could drive people to the point where, wow, it'd be fun if I could play with more people. You are creating an yeah. effect Oops. early GMs mm-hmm. because you're giving them a subset toolkit, a streamlined you know, mechanic and so, but on. also complementarily with the, complementarily with the with the GM guide and the players guide, right? And we've talked about this the three of us before, but but so they're staying away from the mechanics, immersing in the narrative. Those are totally toolkits as well. I mean, they're they're written not as a history, but as a guide. Like, think about this. This is how it works. And I mean, they're not the only products from the line, obviously, but but yeah, the the toolkit mentality we just love. Yeah, because uh, it works. It works as literature. It works as game playing. It works as narrative. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. And and you're you're right. Um, that that's also a leadership component because that's another thing that I thought was really important working on the cleanup. Well, I, the cleanup book. Um, yeah, yeah. There's some leadership stuff in the cleanup book because we we I introduced the mission briefs, and that was that was my like tentative starting point of like I want to see if we can get game masters thinking in different ways to get away from just the the so module cool. adventure component mm-hmm. you know element mm-hmm. to be like you have an opportunity to think more creatively and more broadly and and get into the star trek mindset of um thinking in scenes thinking in acts and uh, you know, this is where i i uh, i credit um the making of ds9 i know i know we've talked about mm-hmm. it before mm-hmm. but the, the judy and garfield it, thanks to you yeah. um that book is so good and and, and like it, it goes book. from a to z here's how to create a series here's how to create a script here's how to create characters here's how to think in that mode where you are you are building a series in an episode in a different way i, I mean it's related certainly to to mm-hmm. building an rpg but it's specifically star trek and it's it's um it's even um we're working on uh, trying to to get uh groups away from the idea of the game master has to create the campaign and then invite players in. I've been encouraging them to like, no, no, don't, you know, don't do that. Let them decide what shit they want to be on. Work with them and have that session zero. What era excites them to play in? Like, like maybe you've got two players who want to play next gen, maybe three of them want to play original series, get the five of you together and just talk about it. You know, don't have the game master just say, I want to run a, next gen era game on a galaxy class starship and i want to do this this and this because some of your players may not be excited by that but if you get a group together and you talk about it and you communicate and uh and you have that facilitated discussion (laughs) in a way Mm -hmm. as complex or as simple as you want to get it it just depends on where you want to go with it um you could get everybody bought in to something even cooler than what you by yourself could have imagined right and i think that's a sign of a leader too is right to say Yeah. yeah i don't have all the answers we're not going my way or the highway. It's it's like we're going to get together and we're going to create something better than any one of us, right? Because we're all. And I think that's absolutely something I learned from Star Trek from from even when I was a a dumb snot nosed kid who didn't know any better, right? Like clearly the crew was stronger together because if they got separated, then the the beast on the planet was killing them, and uh, and then they were you know picking up bodies or or picking up the um, the styrofoam. Uh, uh, polygons <laughs> and they got turned into into polygons or whatever, right? But the, like, I, I think, um, and this is a tangent, but uh, Galileo Seven was a great episode. Um, 
I mean, I was like what nine or ten or something when I watched it because that was that was Spock really struggling as a leader, and like three of his away team got killed, right? And then by the end of the episode, he learned like he 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 kind of figured it out, right? By by the very end in forty five minutes, but it was like, oh man, if you're not working together, like there are consequences, right? Uh, so if you can work together and, and figure things out, then you can all be more effective as a team. But anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm rambling again, of course, but mm, uh, praise I log. think, um, I think uh, the toolkit mentality absolutely is something I, I, I tried to infuse from the very beginning when yeah. I, when I took over it shows. and fortunately the writers that, that kept coming back got it right. They, cause they were in the, in the same mindset. We want to make toolkits. We want to make toolkits. Even if we're doing a book like, um, uh, the, the discovery campaign guide, right, which yeah. is focused on a very specific period of time, very specific couple seasons of discovery, um, and we we wanted to put the lore in there to say, okay, well, here's what's happening in this time frame, and here's what's happening in this time frame, but it wasn't enough to do that. I wanted to go in there and say, okay, now we have to tell players and game masters what can I do with this, what cool things can I do with this yeah. period of time, yeah. this setting, and do amazing things with it. So I mean, even then, so like if you look at uh, I mean, I mean, Utopia Planitia is more of a toolkit than any of the other books because it's right, just by its right. nature, it's it's space frames and how to build ships, right? Right. But still, you know, I still found ways to, or, or Michael and Al and the other writers still found ways to put in cool stuff like oh, random tables and other things, right? But also the narrative for each yes. ship and station yeah. are that's, uh, that's so all crucial. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love that uh, stuff. Speaking of toolkits and future products. Yeah. Okay, two unsolicited requests. We don't know anything. We're not asking anything. Okay. I am. Um, I I do not take responsibility. No, for no. These are requests. These are requests. Uh -huh. I've I've had this request from the beginning. First, twenty fifth century source book. Mm. I I can't help. I mean, I want more. I want twenty fifth because if if we can read your stuff from the twenty fifth century, because we're not getting any more right now from Trek, that means mm -hmm. we can get more into the twenty fifth century. Um. Mm. So, you know, I don't know. I'm not asking. If there's one coming, that would be great because then we can play in it. And if there's not, that might be great too because it implies that that uh, Viacom CBS hasn't released that license, which says maybe they are thinking about legacy, which would make me even happier. Mm. Um, and then you guys should write a writing guide. I would I would pay any amount of money for an STA writing guide like the DS9 one, but focused on how to write i mean you guys are masters at this right every conversation with you has well you're asking like, about how to write yeah or how to write well i'm, I'm just, not sure I'm there's asking... a strong separation there but like you would you know you had recommended a couple years ago now the ds9 writing and that was a really cool read like that's on my that's in my writing section on my shelf now oh i'm Thank glad you to hear for that. that it's it's it that really just opened my eyes to a number of things it was we brad and i had lots of chats about that but mm. how cool would it be, rhetorical question, to have something like a Star Trek Adventures writing guide? I don't mean to become a writer on, on the line. I, I don't care about that. I mean, like, how to how to write for, like, Trek and or RPGs, right? Those, like, like so much of what you, you're doing with the line, it's not mutually exclusive. One informs the other. Mm -hmm. Like, I would talk about uh, Star Trek as lit, RPGs as lit. I would just... I think a lot of people would love to get into that and then like write fanfic or write their own homebrews or mm. write their adventures, you know, or just well, read it. Jason, I, I'm curious. I want to drill into that a little bit. Um, well, first I'll say, so 25th century, 
is tricky because um we yeah. don't know what's going to happen next we, yeah, we don't right. know we don't know if legacy is going to be a thing or not Fingers but crossed. even if it is like i think the end of picard <laughs> depending on where you where you fall in the fandom right like apparently they've kind of resolved the board question right so presumably the end of picard season three has taken Seems care of way. the board we don't know maybe it's maybe <laughs> maybe not but the, my guess is that it's been it's been put to bed yeah. um but um the the way that season ended like mm-hmm. it is so wide open so wide like open. like that is that is a great launching point for any number of campaigns right and uh and i i would be leery I think what we would do is um is we would present everything we know up until twenty four oh two and say, Okay, well here's how season three of Picard ended. Yeah. You know, here's a you bunch of bullet points. Past that. Here's a bunch of bullet yeah. points that you can think about where you want to go from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would just leave it up to the players and the game masters to say, Okay, here's here's what we know. Because like historically yeah. we're we're trying not to create new stuff whole cloth because we don't want to step on anybody's toes mm-hmm. to the game masters mm-hmm. and the players. So I think we would present it that way and say, okay, now, you know, go do your thing. And uh, I mean, gosh, there's so much you could do with it, right? You could take Shackleton Expanse and just do a whole 25th century campaign on the Shackleton. Right, right. Take any of the novels and like spin them into into a story. If you are familiar with Star Trek Online, uh, yeah, Star Trek Online, you could take all their storylines because their storylines are going into the early to mid 25th century. Mm And and we've given you enough tools <laughs> in Utopia Planitia mm-hmm, where you, mm-hmm. you can play the Odyssey, you can play some of the new yeah, um, right. the newer ship classes that we saw in Picard mm-hmm. into the 25th century. Yeah. That's um, cool. So I think um, I think uh, even though they're not all in one place, I think all the pieces are there. And this is back, yeah. back to my uh, back to my Lego analogy, right? <laughs> all the pieces are there. You just need to kind of pull them together and, and then go forward with the 25th century. Yeah. Um, Totally true. Um, yeah. Before we go back to the writing one, because now I'm intrigued by it. Um, general question, because I've mentioned in the past, um, all lines, especially STA does a really good job of sending out errata and updates. Mm-hmm. Um, just generally speaking, um, have you ever thought about doing, you know, second editions of certain books? I'm not, I'm not asking anything specific. Is mm-hmm. that something in your own culture, in your own, you know, mind space that there is a chance at some point to do a revised book of a or a revised book of b generally Mm. speaking i'm Mm. not asking specifically it's just a lot of times people don't like that a lot of times people do you know the er very earliest books have been out just long enough Mm -hmm. maybe well i don't even want to say that because i just if you listen to jim you you can hear about like you said hindsight's 2020 yeah right Um, Right. you know would you ever want to do something like that or like you did with captain's log um you provided the lower decks um as a supplemental so mm-hmm. i printed it off and put it in the book so i know i have it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know right, right. so that's another way to do that's it cool. i just just a general mm-hmm. question yeah no it's a, it's a great question brad um i think um the interesting thing about star trek and not not specifically star trek adventures but like star trek as a whole over the last 58 years or whatever like it's been remarkably consistent, right? Like from Star Trek to Next Gen to DS9, all the way out to Discovery and Prodigy yeah. and stuff. Like yeah. the, the the principles and the overall vibe and the overall lore and stuff hasn't changed. I mean, it, it's it's evolved, right? right. But right. it's been consistent. Like Starfleet is Starfleet is Starfleet, yep. and uh, and and all that stuff. So like, and I'm sitting here. I know you're. I know your um your listeners can't see the video, but I'm looking mm-hmm. at my 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 books over here, and I'm like, uh. 
the weird thing about the line is like most of this stuff is still in print mm -hmm. right um because yeah. we 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 uh reprint the stuff as it as the stock goes down and as it's financially makes sense to do so like unfortunately the core the klingon core book is 400 pages and uh it ain't cheap to reprint because oh, printing costs have just gotten ridiculous um but uh um as an aside um, i've seen an increase out on some of the resale sites yeah an increase in the used prices of those so there must be um stock must be getting thin or thin or something like that i have it from when yeah. it launched but it was just i you mentioned klingon i just found it doing some research today it was right right yeah 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 so the so the stock levels are all over the place on all these different books mm -hmm. um but but when they go out of print we have been reprinting them um when it strategically makes sense to do so and of course yeah. the pdfs are still available so you can right, always get it right. on pdf um but so far like um i mean sure i'd go back and do them differently in some cases or i might add more detail to them um i think there was one or two books that I wasn't responsible for it. So they were like before me mm -hmm. being the project manager that maybe I might have done differently if I was the project manager at the time, but I'm not going to, you know, you know, poop on the previous project manager because mm -hmm. they did their thing and I was doing my thing. And, uh, um, I think, um, I am, uh, generally allergic to just regurgitating information for right. the sake of doing it because right. there's still, yeah. gosh, I mean, Star Trek, there's, there's still huge swaths of, star trek stuff that we haven't even touched yet really or or, uh -huh. or you know just mildly alluded to yep. that are still on my developmental wish list that we haven't even gotten to yet and i would i would I, you know unless the directive came from on high to uh you know jim we want you to redo the command source book it's like oh okay well that's someone telling me you know that's that's giving me direction to go do mm -hmm. something right but uh i would much rather do something new and different or, or you know at least related and and, and move the line forward then yeah. to go back and say, oh, you know, I think we should redo the the Delta Quadrant source book. Maybe we didn't do right. enough from the Borg in there, and let's let's go do right. more of that. Or uh, you know, maybe um, um, I'm just looking at the examples here. Um, uh, I mean, like L L Lower Decks is a good example, right? Like that that book covered the first two seasons and a, a little teeny tiny bit of season three because we were ending the development mm -hmm. on it mm -hmm. just as season three was starting there was an opportunity to kind of like allude to what happened to Freeman in between season two and season three. So we were able to fit that in. Right. Nice. But, but now yeah. that's now that lower decks is now heading into season five, yeah. there's, there's two and a half, three more seasons worth of stuff that we could do something with. It's like, well, what, you know, do we revise the book that's already out or do we right. do something new? Right. And so right. I would much rather do something new than to go back, rehash what we've already done. And, um, and, and just like tack onto it because that, yeah. that, that feels kind of, Mm -hmm. well it creates overlap if i have the original book and then yeah. i go and buy a revised book um yeah. i'm gonna have some content that overlaps and that's fine it's mm -hmm. just for me personally i like to see the additional you 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 have already based off of the game master guide and the player's right. guide have mm -hmm. brought in material that maybe you would have integrated in earlier mm -hmm. and even in utopia you've broadened the product by mm -hmm. allowing for frames so again i'm not trying to patronize it's just it's fascinating to me just based off of every product that comes out drives yeah the line forward and i think mm -hmm. that might be in some ways cultural because i'm seeing it with dune mm -hmm. um you know especially because that's kind of the other game that i follow a yeah. lot of mm -hmm. um you know and some some of the product lines have kind of matured where they're just kind of like okay well now we're static mm -hmm. um 
you know, and nothing new is immediately coming out. It's just, yeah. STA is so organic right now. Star Trek right. is so organic. Well, because right, I mean, there's still, there's still wonderful oh. Star Trek coming out. I mean, we're in a bit of a dry spell right now as you record, but like the dry spell right now is just a few months, right? right? Until there's a season of something. And that's just, I mean, I give you guys all credit. Like you've talked in the past, Jim, about just the timeline required to get these projects completed from start to finish. And of mm -hmm. course that's, that piggybacks on a totally different timeline that you can't control from the shows themselves. And so right. clearly, I mean, there's certainly, there's no way to keep up with, with, you know, with, with creative content that keeps mm -hmm. coming out and where, yeah. you know, you don't really know when it's going to be released, when it's going to be announced, where they're going to go with it. Mm -hmm. um, I would think it's a good problem to have. Jason, since is. Jason was driving spoilers, I do. When we're done with this, I wanna, I wanna ask a question. Going back to leadership, to what's avoid. the spoiler? No, no, you're trying to get spoilers, and, and no, that's not my thing. I want to see a writing. Game. I know what I, you're doing. You, you want it. You're nice trying try. to get spoilers. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I love Picard, so I just, I, I love Picard, so I just, you know, as soon as like, as soon as I got into STA, I'm like, okay, it's time for a Picard book. I mean, like mm. there had been one season, and I was already there. But Jim, you're totally right. Like it's out there. It's just a matter of piecing it together because yeah. that stuff exists. But what yeah. what you're saying tonight, I mean, it does make me think like something like a writing guy would just be cool. I mean, I know that's pretty nerdy and in the weeds, but but I think there are more and more people who would really read that. Modifius came out with the Solo Player's Guide, which is a really good book for right, people right. that want to do. So it, it there's stuff out there that isn't necessarily line-based, but can mm -hmm. be used across the lines. Although yeah. Captain's Log is really there it is. Um, focused that effort. Mm -hmm. I think, and let me... Let me try to quickly summarize. Um, from a leadership perspective, I have found, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, that the material is written, you know, the way you and your team operate um, operates from this, this, you know, leadership plus collaboration. And for many collaborations, a swear word, which I think is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um the material that we have in our hands now, player's guide, game master's guide, all the different source books, all the different division books, quadrant books, um, they are provided in a way that makes it accessible and usable for not only the player, but to help build the GM toolkit yeah. um, and allow them to um, learn to be that GM. And I think the products kind of in their own way make it easier, I think, than in other product lines, no disrespect to them, become GM or learn to be GM. Because let's be honest, you need GMs to play and mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. have to take that leap, you know, right. and people are afraid to. Yeah. Um, you know, I hate to say it, go try to be a, a GM right now or a DM and Pathfinder. Um, yeah. Love the game. Um, I don't have enough hours in the day to figure it out, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So, um, so a couple thoughts. Um and I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to go outside the timeline a little bit because you guys have brought up so much great stuff. Yeah. First, first and on sequitur, you know, that, that meme that's out there of the guy in front of the, the, the cork board and the cork board has all the different strings kind of connecting to each other in different ways. And he looks really frazzled. Right. And he's like, mm -hmm. he, he's trying to make, he's trying to connect the dots and tell the story, but there's like, there's stuff all over the place. 
that's how I feel when we have these conversations because this is all such great information. <laughs> and like, oh, Brad made a great point. I want to go back to that. Oh, and Jason just made a great point. I want to go back to that. No, I want to bring this in. It's, it's like it's all over the place. And I love it. I, I love this dynamic feel. So I just wanted to say I wish I had a way to mentally put that map together in my head Funny. so that I can see all the dots that are connecting um, so that I can actually um, um, uh, reflect on the things that you guys are talking about. Um, so I just I'll, I'll throw that out there. Um, my question was for Jason, like you, you're saying you want a writing guide and, and I, I'm curious, like what, what isn't in captain's log from a, like how to write Star Trek perspective that isn't, uh, isn't, isn't meeting your need to, to where you, you're saying, God, I wish I, you know, I gosh, I wish we had a, a writing guide for writing mm. Star Trek. Like, like I know that Michael and I really tried to put a lot of that advice into captain's log so i'm curious you know it's not putting you on the spot hopefully yeah but no. like, like clearly you have a hunger for something that oh. isn't being provided to you so like i'm just curious where we missed the mark well, let's let's keep oh, it rated no. g with, with jim's comment there let's keep it rated. Uh, yeah okay so. that's great um uh it's trek <laughs> it's always like you know or a soft pg-13 um uh maybe pg-14 no nothing i mean i my god is meeting the need i uh, you know what we think of that. I certainly think the world of that guide. Um, I don't know that I'm. I have anything specific in mind, Shimmer, and even thinking of anything specific. I I never actually thought about that until like what twenty minutes ago, and it just kind of came to me like, oh, that would be interesting. I let me see if I can. So it's not thought through at all. Um, I was even thinking. Again, this Are you is probably talking way too, about like writing. Yeah, like, this. Yeah, I think this would even. It's probably way too, way too broad, really, for like a game line. But like with the DS Nine writing guide that you introduced us to, like it, it takes. Oh, so like you know how that one takes you into like the world of what it's like to, but basically write pitch all that stuff. This show, which is you know super far out from from my my work and my my headspace. Right. But reading it was still really intriguing and informative. And and actually, after that, I started a little bit changing the way I would give feedback on papers and like student papers and stuff like that. Like like even dumb little things like instead of call, like saying I'm sending you a bunch of feedback or a bunch of comments, dumb mm -hmm. little things like I sent you a bunch of notes. Right. But like just a little bit of mindset shift for me in terms of how I started thinking about that because so, I don't do anything fiction. Um, but it was interesting. And so I don't know, as you were talking, it was like, had this image like of an SGA writer's guide where like it walks, you know, it like walks you through kind of akin of this is, it, it is, this is how to, how to think about these things like bigger picture. Like, I mean, Captain's Log just so well, like for stuff at the table. And I think, I think cause we had just come off of Brad mentioning, you know, RPG is lit again. I guess I was thinking almost more like abstract, um, not for like writing the games, but maybe like, what's the process for like, you know, for Are those you... who like want to write adventures, like the bigger things. I think, but I think I you're, I think what you can oh. do is is maybe it's maybe it's not even a book. Maybe it's just a, a cool blog article. I was just gonna say it probably something. is best served as a blog. Um yeah. where you say, okay, you've taken it this far in writing your your um Star Trek adventure using Captain's Log. Are there additional steps where you can take it and just truly turn it into fan fiction? Is that cut you know, I just I'm just wondering if there's if I don't know. You you're both giving that question slash comment way more credit and merit than it was worth. I mean, it was just an off the 
off the off the cuff remark like this would be fun. <laughs> I mean, but I, I could like see there. Going. I could see there being a cool, just an just an art sometime at down the road. I, again, I I don't like talking about this stuff because I'm we're not here to to wish product, but um, you know, taking what we've written out as a story or a campaign or an episode in Captain's Log, how do you take that one step further and turn it? format it do whatever you yeah, need to do to yeah. make it fan fiction is that what you're saying uh, or or honestly even like like something that i ponder so like like the space station i created like i created it and then i told brad and the 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 uh in a week or so i'm going to gm a sandbox session for brad and, and aaron uh and we're going to use it and it's just going to be there'll be some roles but it's really just like all narrative so that we yeah. can all feel immersed in star mm -hmm. trek right mm -hmm. And but so like I get that and I can come up, for example, with like an adventure. Yeah. Right. Whatever. But I I still think it's truly like intimidating. I really respect these people who can like map out, map out like an actual, I don't know what to call it, like an actual adventure arc, right? Like you go back to, to Pathfinder, like an AP. Okay. That's a little grandiose, but you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying we should write six books, but, yeah. but like, how do you do that? Of course, that's really just writing fiction, I guess, but, yeah. but it's all totally foreign to me. And so I just find it oh, intriguing. Again, you're, you're really both giving this idea way more credit than it's worth. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just trying, I, I'm just trying to flesh out I, what you're, what you're. Yeah. Again, you're fleshing way beyond the bone here. I mean, there wasn't anything there. I, I still regularly bring captain's log upstairs like mm -hmm. brad does just to read sections of it mm -hmm. well, right? i don't bring it upstairs i got a copy downstairs and a copy upstairs <laughs> so right. i got my sorry some my... of us work in the public sector and only have one <laughs> no, no, no 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 that's okay this was before this was before the the job change and everything like that i was <laughs> i was much more irresponsible than than i am now true um mm -hmm. but no i i like reading that book oh so much like yeah. it is its own because it again, it's it's in many ways kind of like DS9. Here's how you write a story, um, a Star Trek story. And I don't know if Jason, it was kind of like, okay, take it the final step, and here's how you've created your own fan fiction. But there's also probably a bit of of hoops you'd probably have to go through to to do that. Because like you said, there's there's certain ways that you can produce fan fiction, certain ways that you can't from a license. Yeah. And again, I'm not, I wasn't thinking fan fiction, but you know, you guys as you know, you, Jim and, and Michael and Al, I mean that, that whole team you have and are comprising, mm -hmm. you guys are just so masterful at, at writing these stories and whether they're in the, um, the briefings, which are just super great. Like, like you, I think, you know, like the briefings are kind of what got the two of us into SGA because they were so like wanting to play play because they were so accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, But whether it's the briefings or the missions or the, you know, the big, like the Shackleton, like, it's just, I think that's, you're also good at that. It would be cool. Like, like to, to learn, you know, just to like bring that upstairs and read like, oh, so this is how they go through the creative process. Like, because when I when I read stuff like that, like when I read Captain's Log, like uh, or or any of these others, it's like, OK, I feel like more capable a little bit now of writing the stuff that I write like professionally. Right. Because yeah, yeah. it pushes the boundaries of what I know. Um, of course, that's Star Trek. That's that's the whole point to Star Trek of pushing the boundaries of what I of what we know. So. So, um, talk about uh, being a dead horse. 
I, I get I think I, I think I get where you're going. Uh, Jason, if you are curious about um, storytelling and, and and you have time, um, I would highly recommend you grab Robert McKee's story. Oh, uh, this, okay. this, is, this is this is a great, great book. I'll hold it up so you have time yep, to write, write it, down it down and go check out Amazon. Robert McKee, Robert McKee's story. He is he is a screenwriter. Uh, but the the principles that he talks about in this book are applicable to literally any type of writing, whether it's fiction oh, cool. or gaming or whatever. And um, I think I think I love your idea of, of taking all the principles of good storytelling and good screenwriting, because, of course, Star Trek is a is a is a television show. Right. In a movie. It's 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 all screenplays at the end of the day. Right. right. But um, putting that stuff and then putting the Star Trek lens on it and not just the Star Trek lens, but also a gaming lens. Right. On top of right. it. Yeah. Um, would be really cool. I, I think that would transcend Star Trek Adventures. Yeah. Um, I think that would, and, and now just listening to you and Brad, you know, and, as we kick this around, and I, I know you're saying that it was a a, a throwaway comment, but we're going to dig into it and we're, we're going to pick it apart now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this could be a series of like video conversations, assuming I thought anybody would even want to listen to me ramble on for hours right but oh I could, yes yeah. i could do something like this on my, i could do something like this on my youtube channel Please. michael and i could talk about this on continuing conversations maybe yeah. we invite you guys in to talk about it uh it could you be should have people posts, who know but, something about but like it. you know blog posts and even putting it into a book then what you're doing is you're kind of expecting somebody to go read it right and it's like do do i want to like kind of and, and this is this goes into leadership and 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 um 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 adult learning right mm -hmm. people learn differently yeah. some people some people like to read and learn some people like to listen and learn some people like to learn by doing and say like here you know do step a do step b step c and they get their hands dirty and then they learn how to do it that way so it would be like i, I get what you're saying like you would love to have somebody kind of like walk through i'm building this story here's things i'm thinking about in the now but i'm also projecting ahead what's going to happen in scene 10 or what's mm -hmm. going to happen in Act Three? How does Act Three influence Act One? How does Act One influence Act Two? How does it all come to a denouement? I got a great beginning. I know where my ending is. How do I get through all that dirty middle stuff to get to the to get to the cool ending? Um, all that's important for storytelling. It's super important for RPGs. Um, I think more so for Captain's Log than for STA, right? Because I think yeah, in an ideal world, STA as a game master you're building the story with your players, right? Because that's that's the variable that you don't have in Captain's Log. You don't have to worry about players. They're not going to screw up your story because they're not there. It's just you and the, and, and the random tables, right? Mm -hmm. But when you introduce the players, now you're creating this variable that as a game master, you yeah. can't entirely control. Cool. And the difference between Star Trek Adventures and my personal experience with D&D, I'm not saying it's true for all people playing D&D, but like I know as a game master playing D&D, I always had this mindset of, okay, I'm preparing this D&D session. I have to spend hours making yeah. sure that the challenge rating on the encounters is appropriate. I need to go find stat blocks. I need to find miniatures. I need to, I need to put this encounter together that I want them to encounter. And then I have to hope, can I steer the players along in the story so that they feel like they have agency, but at the same time, I'm driving them to this encounter that I built for them. And hope it works out because otherwise they're going to be bored because they're 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 playing D, &D with me because they want to you know bash yeah. stuff and loot and there's nothing wrong with that because that's that's a lot of fun 
but that meant, that mentality doesn't work for Star Trek, and not just Star Trek Adventures, but I don't think it works for Star Trek because because it's more dynamic. And I would never go into a Star Trek session with my head thinking, okay, in this session the players are going to encounter six Romulans in a in a you know command base, and they're going to have to go do this thing and go chase this MacGuffin or whatever. Like that's just not how I think Star Trek wise. Um, yeah. What I would do though is I would give them opportunities and say, okay, now you're you're beaming into this planet. Your sensors pick up that there's six Romulans. And, you know what? Now what do you do? And and the players can go all kinds of different directions. And in my experience, anyway, 95 times out of 100, the players will find the Star <laughs> Trek. The, they will find the Star Trek diplomatic solution. So like, even if I want them to like learn how to do space combat, they'll find the way to get around that space combat. Yeah, I want chew, the, I want the your... pew pew. Yeah, oh, hold they, on. They, they like pew pew too. Oh, hold they on. Find a way to get around it. <laughs> your, to this exact, I think you are a hundred percent right in that it's fairly unique to being in Star Trek too. Uh, this was sometime last year. The last time Brad and I actually played, played mm -hmm. STA. I I was running what what was it Brad? We just had a few sessions over a couple months with you and Aaron again, and I had you guys. I was using one of the um I was using one of the um one of the, I think actually one of the starter kit one of the early early adventures, okay. and you guys were were in engineering on an Oberth class. Oh the uh, El Cubier. Yeah. And yeah. um and that, that was God that was well done that was so well written and so yeah is that was so the one fun. beyond the stars is that the one yes that good thank you yeah and um mm -hmm. and this was set up to like be pew pew for this scene and I knew I know these guys they're close oh, friends of mine I, but you're funny. and you know I I adjusted it a bit because of there were two of them and whatnot and it was lots of pew pew and and it just I should say the potential was for a lot of pew pew and like. They were both like, okay, how do we want to do this? And they were talking tactics and like, no one was running out to shoot anybody. And it's like, can we avoid this? And can we really get to the bridge? We, we ruined it for no, you because we it, didn't go. Uh, no, it was so, but it was so good. And yeah. it's exactly what you're talking about. Like in any other setting, Brad would have been trying to pew pew everything in sight. Don't. Yep. Quote me out of context, although but, probably still accurate. No, no, no. Remember, because I told you I was going to play differently then. Yep. I, I took this opportunity to play a Trek character, to play a character different than how I would be myself. And we never, mm -hmm. right. And and you did. You both did. And Aaron, who's who's like, that was his first time ever playing any tabletop RPG. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's deeply immersed in Trek, but he's, he's not role played or hadn't at that point. And you both just kind of fell in and it's like, look, there's very little like violence or action per se going on. Instead, it's yeah. like really harrowing and they're ducking for cover and they're planning and they're kind of treating like, not like, Oh, I've got, you know, I've got, uh, whatever, you know, this many hit points and it's going to be fine. It was just, it was a very Trek kind of, yeah, it was just a different level of plan i never thought about that until right now but that is absolutely and i'm sorry but if you can get guys like us to like oh let's think this through right yeah. and we're rolling dice that's pretty cool yeah no that is that's great stuff so and, funny um I, I guess if i was going to try to summarize that a little bit it would be to say that uh you know captain's log and star trek adventures are, are two i mean they're related certainly but they're two slightly different things right and um if you want to be, you know, get into that storytelling uh, and, and really get into the weeds on being a storyteller and stuff, mm -hmm. 
you know, certainly lean toward captain's log. I think yeah. telling a story, telling a story with STA with a group of players is a slightly different experience, but still totally fulfilling, right? Because because you're you're collaboratively doing something and the the dopamine that you can get off of that is like yeah. off the charts. Like yeah, I, I remember yeah, I remember having those sessions yeah. with my group a couple of years ago. Um like we were so on on the we were connecting so well and having such great experiences that like we we would like we were really good about ending our sessions uh at midnight right like we that was our hard hard stop and um um i would be so i couldn't come down right. it, it would take me an hour and a half to come down off of it because it was like it was just so exciting and fun to do it and it, it's a different kind of creative energy than i get when i'm writing fiction right or, or i'm working through copies yeah. it's still yeah. very creative and still a lot of energy yeah. and it's very fulfilling right um, and, you know, learning all the storytelling techniques and like imbuing and all that and, and, and getting a really cool Star Trek story out. Um, it's just different, right? It, it, it doesn't have that same kind of collaborative feel. And I hearken back to my old theater days where when you're working with a group of people for 12 weeks on a theater production mm -hmm. and then you, you put it on stage and you're done like that. There is so much creative energy in that that you can't it, it, and I can't. It's just a different feel when you're doing that compared to when you're doing like a one act play and you're, and you're like the, you're, or you're doing a, a, a staged reading, right. And you're the only person doing the reading. It's like, yeah. yeah, this is fulfilling and fun and I'm acting and I'm doing stuff, yeah. but I don't have that. I don't have that creative energy bouncing off somebody else. Right. And, and working with somebody else. And I think that that cool creative component is what makes RPGs so amazing. Mm -hmm. And which is why I think tabletop RPGs are always going to be superior to a computer or to a computer oh. game like i love yeah. skyrim i've I've, yeah. I've burned so many hours playing skyrim <laughs> right but like storytelling fulfilling wise i always go back to, to the tabletop rpgs experiences i've had because with other people right and this and you know here's here's the leadership component right we're and not so much leadership but i guess star trek is we're stronger together we're better as a team yes absolutely and, and we tell better stories as a group as opposed to doing it individually and I guess as a leader, this is where I can reflect on our on our topic of this <laughs> of this episode is um, initially, I think. When I first got the reins of being project manager, there was a point in time, especially when the pandemic hit, um, I, actually, it was it was uh, the here's the weird timeline is Gen Con happened in August. They made me PM. We started working on the on the Cleon core book um, that. Christmas, my dad died, um, mm. and then and then three months later, the pandemic hit. <laughs> right? Oh, so it, pow, pow, pow. it was like Jeez. bang, 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 and like and then the the pandemic changed everything, right? Because like I couldn't go to my game group, I couldn't go anywhere. We were all at home. The world was crazy, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's where I had to find that. That's where I found the online communities of Star Trek players. It's like, oh my gosh, I have no community anymore other than my family. Yeah, I need to I need a connection. Um, but there was a mm. leadership there where uh, mm -hmm. it, it was like we we have to do this together we have to we have to come together as a team and work together to get this done remotely and everything else and um i i lost where i was going with this but <laughs> no that's great um, it, okay so yeah. we've we've kept you a long time but i want to yeah. switch i want to switch gears here all good um is there anything we often ask each other this is there anything on your desk as of late are you reading anything? Are you watching this is anything? Our, this was that... our old GM corner, which yeah. 
turned into something different. Um, yeah, but yeah, like anything that you've just been enjoying lately. Let me add it this way. If we were all sitting around a coffee shop or a yeah. tea shop, there it is. Just to talk about it. What would be what would you have had on the table having purchased or brought with to talk about? Um it just so happened <laughs> that when uh, when I was in Minnesota uh, for for a week and a half, um I had an opportunity to hit the local um half price books. Mm -hmm. uh, near my near my in-laws house mm -hmm. and, and uh, they just happened to have a copy of the making of making of ds9 and i had Funny. that moment of like should nice. i should i should i contact brad and jason just to say hey there's a copy here i can grab a copy if you don't have it yet but in the back of my head i was like i think they might already have a copy i think yeah, I already, we did i've already mm -hmm. beaten that horse i think they've got yeah. it but, but that's a good a, store that's a but there was store. a new copy there and uh or not new but there was a yeah. newish copy there for like yeah. five dollars or something and i was sorely i was sorely tempted to just buy another copy of it but then i was like what the heck would i do with another copy of it other than <laughs> gift it to somebody so right. I, I resisted that um, but, um, what did I just finish? I just finished reading. Now I'm going to, now you're going to make me look around and find it. <laughs> I may have left it upstairs. Um, he's looking it? furtively at his bookshelf I'm behind him. Furtively for the book and I can't find it. It was, um, <laughs> uh, it was, um, uh, who is it? Uh, David, uh, the historian, uh, David McCullough. Uh, John Adams. Oh, oh, uh, yes. yeah. He wrote, yeah. He wrote John, he's written a whole bunch of stuff. He he wrote a book on the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, and, um, oh about that's the, interesting. The, about the building of the Brooklyn Bridge, all the stuff that went into it, all the political shenanigans that I had literally no idea about. Yeah. Um, the architect, the family, all this stuff, and it was it was a fascinating read. You know, partly because I don't know much about that period. I don't know how to build a bridge, <laughs> but, but just like reading about this, this architecture, I can sell you one. Yeah, exactly. Can you? <laughs> um, so, so that is something I just recently finished reading um, in and amongst all the work that I'm doing. Right. Oh, and, cool. Um, it was really interesting. Like it, it's not quite my cup of tea, but yeah. I, my partner read it and she really enjoyed it and she thought I would enjoy it. So I read it. And what I found more fascinating than the personalities, because like McCullough does a great job of bringing the personalities to life, right? So that we can understand what who they were and what they were thinking, even if it's a character from a hundred years ago or 150 years ago or whatever. Um, cause because our cause our context now is so different, right? We live in a very different world than they lived in. But even right. that being said, like we're still human. Yep. <laughs> and like all the shenanigans that were involved in like yeah. the politicking and the money and the yeah. and the and the positioning and the posturing of all this stuff. It's just fascinating to see, like, we've certainly come a long way, but in other ways, we have not come very far at all. Yeah. Um, or in, in fact, in some cases, we've regressed. Right. But I think I think my big takeaway from the from the book on the Brooklyn Bridge by McCullough was just the engineering that went into building this thing. Because yeah. like I, I know I don't I'm not an architect. I don't appreciate how buildings and bridges and stuff are made. Like I, I see them and I'm like, yeah, I mean, clearly that skyscraper took effort to make. But like. Mm -hmm. You really stare at it. You're you think about how in the world did they build a 100 story building? Yeah. Like how do you like how do you even build the crane? Right. Right. Make the thing go up there. Like you got to build the crane. You got to have a crane to build a crane, and then you got to like I just don't understand the mechanics involved. But so like there was one part where they're talking about um, having to build a gigantic wooden box that could sink into the river. Right. So that you could then 
build a cement form on top of it to act as the foundations of the bridge. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute, you can't make the river go away. So you've got to figure out how to like, you can't divert the river enough to like clear space for the, for the, for the surface of the, um, you know, the, of the river, you've got to physically take this gigantic, huge wooden box. (laughs) I mean, which is like massive, like half a block, half a city block in size and sink that thing into the water with people in it. Yeah. Like managing the pumps and managing all this stuff and, and, and not have them die, right? Because yep. this is the 1800s and like things I mean, are different. Oh. Um, so it was, it was just like, it just really totally literally blew my mind. Oh, that's um, so cool. Like how they did this. And like there was one, there was one section where they were talking about how um, this wooden, massive, gigantic wooden box, like you had to light it. So they had, they had um, 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 gas lanterns inside it you know like you know, propane ridiculous. lanterns or something and there was one point where 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 there was a fire in like in the in, in the wood, gigantic wooden box which was made of many layers of wood right somewhere within one of those layers of wood there was a fire and because there were so many layers of wood they didn't know where the fire was they oh knew it was gosh. on fire because they could see the smoke coming oh through my the, god through the seams but they're like okay this thing's on fire like like it just blew my brain like like how do you put out a fire that you can't even see right in the thing that if, it, if the entire thing gets engulfed in flames then your entire project goes crashing to the to the ocean floor or whatever but but so, so somehow they found a way to 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 um i i, I can't remember I, I think they flooded the box in such a way that eventually all the water put the fire out but I, I, it just blew my brain for like, because I'm not an architect, right? I don't understand all this kind of stuff. So it was just a fascinating read. So I highly recommend it if you if you need to. Oh, that's great. To learn something really different than is probably like 180 degrees from your day to day life. <laughs> go check it out because it was it was fascinating, and I, I really credit um, the author McCullough for for being able to write it in such a way that it, he he made it accessible to to the layman. And like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond layman status as a, a, a bridge Man. builder. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so it was fascinating. So anyway, that's been on my desk and uh, I, I would love to know what you guys have been up to. Well, I just, before we say that, I just mm. love the fact that whenever you come so on, true. I, it's, it's usually material that isn't RPG related. So yeah. I always, yeah, you're right. We, we end up with I, a book list or, or a read yeah, I love, yeah, I love, I it. love that. I, so. I can't. Yeah, you because know, I'm because I'm a writer, right? I, I I write well. I mean, if I wasn't working for Midifius, I'd be writing fiction. I just mm-hmm. don't have enough time to write my own fiction right now. But yeah. I'm uh, I'm I as a writer though. I mean, and I've been doing this for thirty odd years. I can't remember how long now. But like, I am constantly ingesting story, um, whether it's reading the newspaper, reading a blog, watching TV, right. reading some random book off the shelf, going to half price books is fantastic. Yeah, it is because they have because like every store is different. And, and I'll yeah. tell you what, there's there are six half price books within a half an hour of um, the the Twin Cities. We're really lucky. And I got I, I got to four of them. I got I got to four out of the six. I couldn't get to the two that are further north and west of the city. Mm-hmm. I was more, more down in the southeast section. But you you went to mine, um, right? What's that? You went to mine. Um, the one in St. Paul proper. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was there briefly. Yeah. Um, but, but like, I, that's what I love about him is like, even though it's the same store, just by the nature of the store, because they, they, they yep. accept walk-ins and they accept trade-ins and stuff. Every store has a different inventory and yeah. it's going to be different every time you go. So like, mm-hmm. if you're looking for something specific, 
you never know when you might run into it. And so I'll there was so many I'll books I could pull off the shelf there. Yep. That's over there. That's Ben's. That's all going to half price. So it's funny yeah. you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I love so, it. Yeah, I love it's such it. a great. Oh, we, we, I, I we, we only have we only have one store in the DC metro area that I know of that's even remotely like that. And I wish half price books would come out this way, but they just haven't yet. They're they're, they're mostly Midwest still. Um, but I would love for them to open up a store out here because I, I know it would do gangbusters in the DC yeah. metro area. Because like even though everybody here is is working for the government and is working the really high price jobs we're still cheap <laughs> and we want mm. we want good books and we and we want to trade books back and forth like we're, this is a very um like maybe not as much as minnesota because i think the twin cities is super literate and and very hip yeah but but dc uh, is super literate that DC area is, is. But northern yeah. virginia not quite so much okay um, but i think uh i think northern virginia is desperate for some good used bookstores that could yeah. that could do that kind of thing, and I, I just I would love to make it, love to see it happen, but uh, don't know what that would involve. But uh, um, anyway, so uh, tangent aside, what, what do you guys have been? What have you all been reading or watching or um, ingesting? Brad, I've I've been on a I don't know if any I, I don't know if maybe we've talked about it with you or not. Some mm-hmm. folks, I'm a big alt history person, so I read a lot of Harry Turtle Dove. Nice, um, and so I'm rereading. Um, some older stuff that he's done that came out in some magazines, some shorter stories. Mm-hmm. I inadvertently met him when we connected in a sports game forum mm-hmm. years back. So once I realized he was into sports, I read his stories and I'm catching names of sports heroes uh, and that, he awesome. integ- that he integrates mm-hmm. into it. So I like rereading them now and saying, oh, okay, you have a guy in here named Irving Morrill. Well, Earl Morrill was a quarterback for the Dolphins that did very well. So I could see the link there. And so I've been I've been reading through that. But the problem is, is that I'm getting behind in my Star Trek reading. Mm -hmm. I thanks to you, I do the 99 cent books. Yeah. Every (laughs) month. In fact, in fact, even even my wife was like, why do we have all these 99 cent transactions? And I can't use. The, just don't just don't <laughs> i can't i just can't say well i need it for podcasts anymore i just say it's my kindle stuff so um i'm about i'm about eight to ten books behind on on oh star trek but though to be honest with you that's where my focus i told jason that's where my focus has been really yeah. is there and um some of the stuff i picked up over some of the RPG stuff I picked up over the holidays. Mm-hmm. And and I want to make this point before I go to you, Jason. This is way out of out of left field. I think there's when we talk about RPG is lit, Jason, you're the one that forwarded me a tweet from Will Wheaton where he talked about pulling some RPG books off the shelves. Oh, yeah. He yeah. may never he may never play them. He'll read them, which mm-hmm. is what we're talking about. For that's one angle. It, yeah. Yeah, that's one angle of RPG mm-hmm. is lit. The other one is what Captain's Log has done is creating lit from RPGs. Right. Um, and so right. Um, I've been going in from one angle. And to be honest with you, we've been talking about coming in from the other with creating lit from RPGs because we're mm-hmm. it's my fault that we're behind on some of the Captain's Log stuff. So, <laughs> but oh, um, that's all right. It'll be there for you. Yeah, yep. that's right. Just let it let it let it simmer it's it's, yeah, mari- it, it's it marinating is. it yeah. is yeah what, what, what is a what does stephen king call them the the guy the boys upstairs the the, the writers of the the team upstairs whatever it is whatever oh, his analogy oh, is the, the 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 people back there marinating it um mm-hmm. it'll, it'll 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 come back to the front in in due course 
I think so. Jason, how about you? Uh, I have been rereading the, I just started this about a week ago, the Lord of the Rings. Oh, so good. Uh, so yeah. good. So I, I, I mean, it seems like not a whole lot more than yesterday. So I didn't read those. I grew up with the Hobbit, but I didn't read the Lord of the Rings. Uh -huh. Um. So, you know, what, one what was volume. it like? One volume, not yeah, the yeah. individuals. Yeah. So I well, I, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm going to take the three one at a time. I'll I'll read stuff between. But um, are you? But are you reading it out of the single volume? Yeah. yeah so that's what I was gonna tell. I was gonna tell Jim because okay. you and I have. You know, we've we've gotten all giddy over this. So, um, <laughs> I I never read the Lord of the Rings until uh, around what was like oh one or oh two when the movies were coming out oh one ish, um, and I thought okay. Uh, so 20 some years ago, which is really, I don't know how any of us are old enough to say 20 some years ago, I was reading this book, but mm. um, I thought, okay, I've got to read these before the movies come out because I've seen them. I, I'm going to see the movies and I have, I don't want to see the movie and then read it because it'll kind of, they'll be root, right? Mm. The the books will be. So what those came out over like what, two and a half years or whatever. And so I read, yeah. I would read each one like prior to the, to the movies coming out, like those were my dead, that was my deadline set. Okay, and and I loved it. I'm not a fantasy guy. I mean, I I, I enjoy D and D and and all that stuff, but I'm not a fantasy reader. Lots of sci-fi, but not. I don't even like sci-fantasy really. Mm -hmm. Star Wars aside, um, but I mean, yeah, like you said, so good. I mean, the single most creative, intelligent thing I've ever read. And I I mean, it's my line of work. I think I've read a lot of creative, intelligent things, but right, Tolkien. That's just a different level. So then over the holiday season, actually, it was right around or after Cyber Monday. Because yeah, what's I, a Cyber Monday? Deal? Oh, what was it? Okay. Because yeah. I texted Brad. And so I didn't, two years ago, or I guess as we're recording now, because it was so like around oh, 21. So I guess like two and a half ish years ago. Um, You've probably seen this, Jim. The Lord of the Rings was reprinted. You know, there, that's all was happening, but it was reprinted in this absolutely gorgeous version that had the eye of sauron on the cover uh in and it was all gilded pages and right and the the um you know the statement of the ring right one ring to rule them all is is written on on the page edges in the language of mordor in that ancient mm -hmm. elvish uh maybe that's redundant and i mean i've i had never ever ever bought a book because it was pretty yeah. But this thing was gorgeous. Yeah, Brad just posted it so that Jim oh, can no. get one before this conversation is over. Um, the problem was, and I'd seen it in a store. Uh, the yeah. problem was it's seventy five dollars. Yeah. Except on Cyber Monday, it was twenty eight. It was. It wasn't even twenty eight. It I was. Thought. Oh, sorry. Maybe with shipping, it was twenty eight. Yeah, it was like so, twenty three or something. Yeah, I think like you're crazy. right. So, so it was like so. I I got it. And it was selling hot because like even Amazon was reporting like a week before you would get it. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to read it again. This is something I've thought about over the years. Mm -hmm. So it's been on my shelf for a couple of months. And about a week ago, I thought, okay, now's the time. I'm between other books. Uh, I, uh, I'm i going to read it. And you know what? It's even better this time around. I, I just got through the whole Tom Bombadil thing. Those mm -hmm. two and a half chapters, I didn't care for the first time. I didn't care for them the last time or the second time. They're totally unnecessary, but they just arrived at the Prancing Pony. And now for the next two and three quarters books, this is going to be awesome. 
And it only took us 27 minutes to hear what Jason is reading, which is part of the rings. (laughs) Well, context is important. Look, context matters. And uh, context matters. I I appreciate that you both love. I I appreciate that you both love well-made books, right? Oh my God. Like, 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 like I, I, I have, I have pretty successfully, um embraced ebooks right because it's so much easier to carry and like i've got sure. you know a thousand books on this little teeny tiny device oh here yeah. i can't beat that that's not, that's fantastic like for me when i have to go to like a uh when i take my son to a doctor's appointment or i have to go to a doctor's yep. appointment or i'm waiting at the garage or something or i'm on a plane like to be able to carry my entire freaking library in one little handy dandy device and and you know it's just it's just amazing instead of having this big heavy brick of a book with me right especially when we're talking about lord of the rings but um <laughs> when i'm when i'm at home though and i can savor the pages and the guilt and the in the full color illustrations and stuff um in fact jason you've inspired me uh because um awesome. two years ago three years ago no it was um when the heck was it it was uh i put one of the big books to bed it might have been the discovery book. It might have been. Um, it oh, wasn't Lord Dex. It was before that. It was before Utopia Planitia. Anyway, um, I discovered just because I'm on this Facebook group for for Tolkien nerds, right? Uh, I discovered that um, Harper Collins yes. is yes. does does reprints of. Uh, of course, they reprint all the all the Lord of the Rings stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but Christopher Tolkien um, has been editing. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he just passed away, but. Uh, he was editing a lot of his dad's stuff, mm-hmm. and and this book came out, The Fall of Numenor. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen. I haven't it. read it. I've, I've I heard was like, it. okay, I I knew The Fall of Numenor was coming out, and I wanted to read it, um, and I was planning on buying a copy of it, but because I happened to be on this Facebook group for for Tolkien uh, geeks, someone was like, oh, by the way, did you all know that HarperCollins is is creating deluxe editions? deluxe slipcase editions of all of the books and stuff and i was like huh what's this and and, uh i'm a sucker for a really well put together book but anyway so um uh as a as a gift to myself for finishing whatever star trek product i don't remember which one it was um i went ahead and bought the deluxe edition of the fall of numenor it's a slip it's a slipcase beautiful slipcase i haven't even opened this i've had this thing for two years and oh. I haven't had time to sit down and open it yet. So you have inspired me, Jason, because uh, I know oh, I have good. some free time coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of the because of the job situation, um, I am going to um, uh, w- when I'm ready to sit down and start reading because I'm because I just finished that that book on the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, I'm going to crack this uh, cellophane off of this thing, nice. and I'm going to give this a read and uh, enjoy the book because it's and you'll lettuce. you'll honor you'll honor feel honor christopher as well because i know he yes he was 95 when he passed away yeah man, oh, that's man. that's amazing i i won't get there but i'm grateful that yeah. he did <laughs> I, please let us know how that is i um, i will absolutely i've you know i've um i mean i i obviously read the hobbit and i read the Silmarillion, yeah. which um which is a different kind of book i enjoyed that um mm-hmm. both of those by the way they reprinted the same way turns out both of uh, those were ordered are by me. Thanks. There to it stuff. is. Uh, well, I no, no, no. I had, I had, because I have to be much more cautious yeah. now. I got some Amazon gift oh. cards for birthday. So yeah. nice. I put them towards the other two because I really yeah. would like to. And you and I have talked about this, Jason. Do we? It's such a gorgeous book. Do you actually read the well, book? Well, I'm I'm it? reading it. I'm being careful. It's not traveling yeah. with me if I go yeah. somewhere. Um, but I've uh, what? I, but I was saying I I read um. Because he he was coming, Christopher Tolkien, for a while he was coming out, right? He had been editing his father's work. Mm -hmm. And they were, like, it seemed like every year or two, there was another, and I I can't, I I can't see it from where I am. I don't remember. It was, um, 
it was one of the first ones of those. It was the something and something. It was one of the, it was, I think it was one of the set of first age tales. Um, but the fall of Numera, please let us know what you think. Cause that's, I will. that one does sound intriguing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to get playing the one ring, right? We actually, I would, I yeah, would love we do. to. I mean, I got the, I got the, I got the second edition and I just haven't had a chance to really do anything with it other than appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah. we'll talk Um, off. We'll talk offline about that one. yeah. Cause Okay. that's, Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, but no, I think, um, um, yeah. So thank you, Jason, for the inspiration. I'm, I'm definitely going Oh, to thrilled. give this a go here uh, pretty soon. Yeah, let's Jim, we we gotta let you go, but thank you so much. I mean, every time to to just keep coming back and hanging out with us. Even even if you beat my 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 bad ideas like a dead horse, it's totally worth it because now now I've thought it through. Cause like every time we talk with you, every time I go to bed and my mind is going. Like the stuff we've talked about, often not RPG at all. Um, and so I know I won't be sleeping for a while, but it's totally worth it because we love spending time with you. Yeah, well, Yeah. I, I'm grateful that you brought me back. And um, no, I think I think the idea you had, I, I love picking it apart with you and with you and Brad, um, because you're giving me inspiration for something to do when I, because I like I, I've left my YouTube channel pretty much just sit for a while because I've been Yeah, so busy. you should do it. Um, and it's like, oh well, now now you've given me a fresh new topic Sweet. that I can go expound on and uh, and, and see what happens. And uh, I, I have to admit, though, I, I know we've talked about TikTok um, on a couple of our previous conversations. Um, I'm, I've been, um, like just mentally have been needing a, a, a break, uh, in the evenings to fall asleep. So I've been watching a lot of TikTok. <laughs> I, I will, it's a guilty pleasure. I will admit it. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm now at the point where I've watched enough TikTok that I'm thinking about what would I do if I was going to be on TikTok? Cause I got to keep it short. I got to keep it snappy. Maybe I can do something Star Trek adventures related on Oh, TikTok. cool. And, and, Just and, keep it keep it two minutes. You could do uh, what I found out is you could do Yeah, a lot two minutes, in two minutes. under two minutes, maybe like Yeah. a snippet of of insight or information. Like, here's the core mechanic. Here's how do you here here's two ideas on how to use threat. Here's two ideas on how to use momentum. Maybe you're like I'm just trying to think about like what does that look That like? would that would actually get me on TikTok. Yeah. Oh, my texts Yeah. get you on Yeah. TikTok. Well, Well, I don't want to. I don't because want to encourage TikTok, right? I don't want to help them. no, but 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 that would that would yeah, I would I would sign up so I could watch those. That sounds cool. Right, but the longer form for for YouTube, which is the longer form, Even better. I think I think the idea that we were kicking around here, talking about, um, you know, um, writing a story, but thinking about it from the Star Trek lens and also from the from the from the from the game master lens, I think there's a there's some potential there for some cool stuff. Um, Oh, so I'll have to yeah. give that. I'll have to give that some thought. Of course, all, all the stuff that we were we had talked about at our launch too is stuff still percolating in my brain. That's great. Um, so, but yeah, I, I I'm so grateful that you guys are doing this show because it's so amazing. When I have um, it, like I, I watch it, I listen to it in the background, right? When I'm when I'm working, I can because I can just a, a a you guys um just riff off each other so well. I mean, clearly you've known each other forever, and uh, and and that helps. You can see the relationship coming through the the podcast. Um. But it's just like lots of you have great guests and great ideas, We are lucky. and uh, just again, just like like tonight, just coming up with those ideas, it's just it's just fun and very conversational and very easy to talk to. So I, I'm just grateful you keep inviting me back. So thanks, I appreciate it. You're always you're always Oh welcome God, thank back because you. because we 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 talk some about RPGs, but then we go off into so many different directions that you know it it's As always it should unique. be. It's always unique and different. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Uh, and and that's why I really enjoy coming back. And I, I hope when I get back to uh, Minnesota, 
uh, sometime later in the year. Um, I hope we do. I hope we get a chance to connect. Yeah, we'll all get together. Oh, we'll all this. get together. Yeah. Um, you know, in fact, it, you know, if if I if we need to find a way to drive south and meet halfway somewhere, like I don't know what's halfway between the Twin Cities and where I'm, you are. I'm always overdue. Oh. I'm always overdue and going up to see, yeah. you know, Jason, his family, and Jason's brother and his family. And so, I'm overdue to go to Milwaukee. So yeah, let's do so that today. So we will. I will get up there because I was supposed to go up this last year and I wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. Um, so this time around, um, I'm I'm making it up there, even if I go up and crash. Jason, you've done it. You've gone. You've come down, crashed, and left the next day. Yep. When absolutely. we saw when we saw Shatner. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, gentlemen. Well, I I, I hate to say goodbye because like I, I could talk I could talk all night, but I know it's uh it's midnight here. I know it's eleven o'clock oh, your time. Sure. So uh, one is I'm just waking up. Jason Jason's past his <laughs> bedtime by about I four am. hours, and it's it's so. still a work day, right? So uh, want to be respectful for for us to have to go back to that. So um, you guys yeah. go back to work. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so I'm, again, thanks. I, hopefully, we'll talk again soon here. Uh, if not, I'll be talking to you on the X and on email and all that great stuff. So uh, and and keep absolutely. in touch if you if you ever need to talk about the job stuff that we've chatted before about. You know how to get me. You're on my short list, buddy. All righty. In fact, I'm I'm at, I'm at a point where I need a brain to 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 talk to. So nice. yeah, anytime. You know nice. you know anytime. Yeah, I'll, I'll be reaching out, buddy. All right, back to you. Take care. Take care, y'all. Be well. Bye, now. As always, Jim, thank you so much. Um, you know, I think it just is when we talk, it just it's one of those things where at the end we realize, oh yeah, he's the PM for STA because we we all we have similar interests. You have interests in areas that we don't. I'm always fascinated. We always hear about books that aren't on our shelves or aren't on our reading lists always. that should be. Um, the one about the Brooklyn Bridge, I'm fascinated by. Yeah um that he talked about um it just it's it's it truly is when we have him and we have others on it just reminds me that it's truly what our podcast is people sitting around Mm -hmm. having coffee tea drink of choice and talking about anything that pops up and it it's been our modus operandi going back 30 years 32 years now that's how we've operated Yep. Um, and we continue to do that. And we're, and now we're just very lucky to meet all these cool people and be able to continue to do that. Yeah. Jim, I'll just say again, on behalf of both of us, thanks as always. Uh, you can plan on being back on Dyson Wind before too long. Why don't we, uh, like we always have done, we used to, and we are in effect uh, recreating it now let's head out to autobahn court, court. i've got my cup of tea right here about, i was just gonna say i was gonna ask you honestly i know this isn't about tea but i was gonna ask you because we would talk about tea forever mm-hmm. um amongst other things what are you drinking it was always desert sage with you oh well but i that doubt was... you're drinking that now what do you no, no, because you, I don't know if you even, if Republic of even makes that anymore. That, um, so no, I am drinking, uh, it's so good. Uh, I, I've started ordering loose leaf again. 
um, from our local store. One of, one of the problems is they close the storefronts, but they're still in business because they basically do B2B. And so yeah. I just thought, you know what? I'm going to pay for shipping, even though it's across town. And uh, so I am I am uh, drinking a cup of Golden Buddha okay. from uh, Tea Source, which is here in okay. the Twin Cities, which is wonderful. Um, it is it's delicious. I mean, it's it's actually one of the best black teas I've ever had anywhere. Uh, it is. Ooh. I mean, I really, yeah. When I see yeah. you, you, I, I've got to make you some. Um, I don't remember. I have to look it up. So no one quote me. I don't remember if it's like a Fujin or an uh, Anshui province tea, but it's it's a black tea. It's like a Chinese red tea, but it is produced somewhat akin to an oolong. It's just really, really good. And fairly complex. It's not heavy. Um, it's super drinkable. A little pricey, but the good ones. Are. Do you? Do you, uh, I kind of know the answer. Do you sweeten? I know we don't. Neither of us use milk. No. Um, no, never. Okay. Uh, I. Um, I mean, so no, no, never. Mm-mm. I'm gonna. This is the. I'm gonna pose this this way this week, but I think I'm gonna try using this just because you are a reader and a writer. Um. So. What has been um, coming out of your pen or what? That didn't sound right, did it? Nope, not at all. Um, okay. And I am um, so not what editing has been, that out. Yeah, no, no, we'll leave that in there. We'll leave that in there. Um, <clears throat> what's been on the paper when you've had pen to paper? Or um, where has your bookmark been lately? That didn't sound right either, zero did for it? two. You just, oh, Brad's just going to stop oh, talking now as oh, I answer these questions. Okay. What have you um, been writing or what have you been reading this? this of all this the fish week? above the fireplace. Okay. Um, oh God, that's deep cut. Luckily, luckily those are luckily those are like like not Mixed direct, metaphors. so we don't have to explicit. But yeah, for those yeah. that are adults, they're, they're going to laugh. Go ahead. Yeah, or 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 shake their head dismissively like our wives or cry. Uh, or right. like our yeah. wives. Um, oh, I, yeah. I've been busy writing. Um, and now I'm kind of in the editing stage, revision stage. Uh, and I'll say, I'll just say that about that. But reading is very exciting. So I am just a few chapters away from finishing my reread of The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, you, You're using, we talked about this with yep, Jim. You're using this is the, one, the yes. new copy. This okay. gorgeous one. Um, oh my God, is a beautiful uh photo in fact we were passing a photo of it back and forth online with jim um yeah i uh uh as as we talked about uh so i'll keep this brief uh and we've talked about this in the past because we both bought a copy over the over the well black friday or um uh, summer monday uh mm-hmm. it was time i'm rereading the lord of the rings i'm a few chapters away i'll 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 read one more shorter chapter tonight mm-hmm. uh and um uh, it's 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 kind of getting to me though, Brad, because like I'm thinking because I'm reading a lot in the evening, like I'm falling asleep thinking of it, of the story um, right there. Um, uh, Gandalf has perished, question mark, courtesy the Balrog. They've the, they've just made it. The company Sans Gandalf has just made it to uh, Lothlorien. Uh, and um, and so, you know. Hilarity will ensue. No, mm-hmm. um, but it's wonderful. And I will say, uh, I read this 20 ish years ago and I was new to the story beyond the Hobbit. Okay. Or save for the Hobbit. Uh, I, I am enjoying it more this time 
than the first time. And I loved it the first time. Um, I, it, I understand so much more of what's going on, Brad. I had no idea the first time I read how much foreshadowing was written throughout the entire story. Um, it, it, it's just, it's still, I think the most creative and most intelligent thing I've ever read. But the second time it's even better. Cause like, I don't remember lots of specifics, but I remember the characters, the arc, et cetera, et cetera. It is, it's so good. How about you? What are, uh, what are you reading? What's well, I got a, I got a, I got a comment on just that. And then I'll mm -hmm. talk about that quick. Um, I've always found it interesting and I, and I am, I am not a scholar on this. I don't know, but uh, Tolkien was an editor and helped translate what is called the Jerusalem Bible, which is a I don't think I knew that. translation um, that is used in the Catholic Church. Okay. Um, so it includes uh, some of the deuterocanonical, deuterocanonical books. Canonical. Um, mm -hmm. Canonical. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I can't. I, that Protestant Bible doesn't have. Right. Now, he'll argue when if you read briefly he'll argue and say no i was just more of an editor and all that so i don't know how much he was involved in it but yeah. that is interesting a claim to fame for that translation i only bring that up because once i read it it'll be interesting to go back and see the areas where he has had his mark apparently yeah. in the jerusalem bible I, it's not a translation i normally read yeah. no disrespect but um i don't know the time period in which he did that versus when he did lord of the rings yeah. But does one have an effect on the other, one just, way or the other? I'm just, just curious. To, I, just to put things in perspective, it says something about the author or the editor. It says something about the individual when a translation of the Christian Bible's claim to fame is J.R.R. Tolkien did the translating. Yeah. <laughs> but you. But here's what's interesting. I didn't. I, I realized that I had heard that for the first time mm -hmm. around the time that we were going to Autobahn Court. And that's when oh, I wow. picked up back nice. in the day a copy of that Bible, which sits on my shelf to this day. Yep. Um, so cool. 90, 95, 96. So, I mean, obviously okay. we talked about it, but I have no recollection. I, it, I've forgotten about it. And until we've mm -hmm. really talked about Lord of the Rings, um, for me, just because, you know, I'm going to be doing some traveling next week and I think mm -hmm. not our, not our, um, we're going to record tomorrow. And we'll talk about that in that episode. Um, but the next recording after that, I will be from, um, I don't want to use any Mar-a-Lago, um, Oh, not on this podcast. Parallels. No, no, no. Um, I will be from um, my parents' house in Central Florida. So I'm going to spend some time down there and I'm going to bring my mic. Luckily for me, I'm an amateur and just use a pair of headphones and a mic. Um, That's how we And roll. so we'll be able to do some recording and stuff down there. Mm -hmm. So most of my reading has been um, on the Kindle just because I'm prepping and I don't want to necessarily take. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, like I don't want to, I, I am going to read lord of the rings i'm going to read because we both have the same volume but i don't want to start it now because i don't want to transport it right whereas on the kindle I don't you want can just the, have the risk like, whatever you want yeah i don't want to risk damaging that copy because it's such a beautiful yeah printing yeah. um so i'm reading some generalized stuff but just when it comes to rpgs one of the games that i picked up uh, um in the holiday sales is the infinity RPG. And I've, I think yeah. I may have talked about this a little bit. I've alluded to it. Um, 
I've been looking through just because um, from my understanding, and I might be wrong, it's one of the earlier RP, earlier releases of Modifius that predated like Star Trek Adventures and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so it's got a little bit more grit and it's a little bit more crunchy. It's very cool. It's still 2D20. So it still has that elegance, but there's a little bit more in terms of, um, you know, where you roll. Um, but I just find it fascinating because you'll see people talk out on Reddit and such. They'll say like, oh, we love it. It goes, but it kind of, and I, this is what I get a kick out of. I've seen this a lot. I think it predates um, the streamlining and the changes that Modifius made to kind of the 2D20 to tweak it that happened in Star Trek Adventures. And they use, they use that as like a marker marking point where just something that and that's one of the reasons i'm reading it is i want to see the differences because you'll read out on reddit people talking about that Mm -hmm. um beyond that that's what's been um that's what's been on my table it infinity was based off of of a tabletop miniatures game that they've converted into an rpg i didn't either one of us are okay yeah neither one of us are are no no are not, not yeah. are miniatures guys. So, but I find the idea of the game and much like Star Trek Adventures, they have these tile sets where you can actually use, much like you can use a dungeon map and high fantasy. That one and the other one you and I have, much thanks to our friends at Green Ronin, is the Fantasy Age second edition. You've mentioned this out, out on Twitter. Phenomenally designed. Yeah, uh, I, I will say, I think this we can close with this if we want. Mm-hmm. Um I will in the coming days. I will be done reading Fellowship of the Ring, and and then I will then I'll take a break, right? I I'll, I'll I'll like I did the first time. I'll take a break to to read other things in between, and I'll read each one, um, so as not to go to overload. But I, I am starting to very much want to play, yeah, Fantasy Age Two E, because, because of this, so. You all are gonna hear. But you've been in the high. You're in the high. You're in the high fantasy. The high fantasy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And and a high fantasy that you enjoy in that the magic is prevalent but subtle. It's not all in your face. Everyone's got it. Yeah, I mean, when you fight, you're 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 you know, you think about battles on a game. You don't have magic users and wizards and all that shooting firebolts or right. icicles and, or whatever and, case and they yeah. might be magic wielders but it's subtler than that there are no magic missiles they might yeah. be doing incantations and you know breaking a bridge doing whatever they need to do but but right mm-hmm. it's just it's it's different it's a different feel so yeah well we, we got to get into that before before long all right everybody as always thanks for being here with us thanks for hanging into this 14 hour episode uh, coming to a Dyson Mind podcast near you. Uh, we have some really interesting people, more interesting people uh, coming your way. Stay tuned in the interim. Be well, stay well. We will see you in a couple of weeks. 